So this is the No Promises podcast on number four. We're here with Jason Purs, otherwise known as Dorito to the BMX world. And we're just going to have a chat for a while. And to start off, we I think we should start BMX related before we get super crazy. Okay, let's start there. Yeah. <laughs> At least keep it somewhat relatable to the 20 people that will probably watch it. <laughs> um, honestly, when it comes to these things, I don't know anything about anyone. Mm-hmm. Except for like what I've known since I've met you, really. Yeah. And like, so I want to go before that. Okay. Go all the way back to the beginning. Because I don't think we've ever actually talked about how you started riding or any of that. Oh, God. So, going back to the beginning of bike riding. All the way to the start. I had an uncle that worked with a... He was his manager. And his manager actually used to ride professionally, like, flatland. And then when he rode professional flatland, he had, like, a bunch of Haro Masters. For some weird reason, he had, like, a few Haro Masters in his garage that were completely built up in perfect condition. Mm-hmm. And he had a newer one, and for some reason, he wanted to get rid of the newer one instead of the older ones. And he sold it to my uh, uncle. He said he'd give him, it to him for 80 bucks. So my parents got $80 together. I think I had some money in that, too, from, like, mowing lawns or something. I think I maybe had, like, half of that. And then I got my first bike. And then he was actually, what's very interesting about him is that he ended up becoming a council a councilman, and then I think he became a mayor or something, but I've never heard from him since. But then, because of him, and also what's very weird is I always grew up with older riders. I never grew up with the younger riders. I always grew up with older riders. That's probably why I always had kind of an old-school huck it weird style like all those years because i always grew up with flatlanders that maybe became ramp riders but nobody ever had uh, a style and i think that's a big difference with now and then is that nobody had i ride flatland Mm -hmm. i ride street nobody cared Um, every bike was set up for whatever you wanted to do you rode flatland sure that's great you rode street that's i'm sure that's great but Everybody rode everything, and you just didn't really care. And also, you didn't want to go on trips and be stuck at a skate park and be like, I can't do this. Yeah. And then you also wanted, didn't want to go to a handrail and be like, I can't ride this. And same with trails or flatland. You yeah. wanted to be able to have fun on your bike anywhere you went. And that's kind of definitely changed over the years. <laughs> no doubt. How old were you then? Um, that when was, are we talking about? That was 1998. 98. I was five. Nice. <laughs> 1998 and uh, Jamie. I mean, the only reason why I wanted to get a bike because I is because I saw Jamie on ride in X Games that year. Yeah, I saw Jamie on 360 whip a spine, and I was like, "That's the coolest thing I ever." I, I want to do that one day, you know. Like, and it's funny to think because God, when you start riding, like going over, there's a two foot spine at Changa. Mm-hmm. I remember jumping that the first time I ever went there, and only reason why I knew how to do that was because. Um, what was it? BMX.cc. Jason Suchin. Suchin had a website, and so before I would go to the park, I would read like how to do certain tricks on oh, his yeah. website, and then I'd figure out how to like jump a spine and different things. And that's wow. also another thing is BMX became more catered to this. I'm either this good already. There's no in between. There's like a, if you see a how to sometimes have have uh, normal stuff in it, but. Now it kind of seems like everything's really advanced. There's nothing really mm-hmm. for the person breaking into the sport. Yeah. And back then there was all types of stuff. Like Suchin worked really, really hard 
<laughs> I'm gonna put this up a little bit because that definitely looks like a cat toy. Yeah, he's probably pretty psyched, or she's probably pretty psyched on that. Whiskers. All right. Hopefully, the cat doesn't knock over the camera. No, the cat won't knock over the camera. She anyways, be a pain. Anyways, anyways. So you, you, I can't imagine learning something by reading how to do it. And that's what that was what was awesome about Suchin's page, though, is that he really, really went in depth. Like I, I can still remember the how to jump a spine one. It yeah. was, it was you want to not go too fast. You go too fast, you'll land flat. You want to go slow, and you want to kick out. You never want to jump a spine straight, and like just little things like that that you don't when you ride, you just mm-hmm. don't think about it all that much. And so Suchin kept going day after day after day and putting all this stuff online, and then he had infantry. Which was the uh, his company, his clothing company, yeah. and I was always like, I really want to. I, I I thought that was like, you know, the the equivalent of a kid today thinking of like Monster or something. Yeah. Like, like I thought that was the biggest company in the world, and like if I could ever get sponsored, I remember there's there's one time, uh, Carrie Sayer was like, hey, that's that's such, and you know, maybe you could try out for infantry, and like I I, I wasn't very good at riding at the time. I think I did a, an air to peg bonk and a tire tap to peg bonk and. But Suchin was always super nice. Mm-hmm. Suchin never, like, once looked down on me for being, like, how do you, because I, I, oh, my God, actually, this is, this, <laughs> this is, this actually is funny because I forgot about this part of it. So Jason Suchin, actually, I used to hit him up every night online. I forgot about this. I used to text or uh, chat with him. I Mish BMX was his uh, AOL name. This is AIM days. Yeah. So this is way back. And be like, how do you do this trick? How do you do a tail whip? How do you do this? Like, every day I'd ask him how to tail whip. And I couldn't tail whip. And, and I was like, you know, how do you do this trick? How do you three whip? How do you do this? And I'd ask him. And he'd sit there and answer me. You know, like, think about the difference in that today. That's why I still wow. to this day when a kid, like, will email me. I usually try to send him stickers or, or tell him something or lead him some form of direction because Suchin was always so nice to me. Yeah. Um, Suchin didn't have to spend his nights talking to a 12-year-old, 13-year-old kid right. on how to do tail whips. And, you know, but he would spend his nights doing this and always being really nice to me. And I, I remember the funniest one was one time I asked him, it was like, he had, the ramp, he had ramps in his backyard, and I said, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and, like, go outside and, like, rip shit? And he said, no, usually when I wake up in the middle of the night, I pee. And I was like, I mean, he, he was just always like a funny, goofy dude, but he was always super nice. Um, that's yeah. why when we started Thriller, like the first thing I ever did was do contests at his park. Yeah. You know, I wanted to hype up his park and try to do whatever because he was always such a solid dude. So, yeah, props to that. Right. And for anyone who doesn't know, Jason Suchin owns Transitions, Transitions. TRP Skate Park in Detroit, Michigan. I had no idea that he did all of that before having the skate park. Oh, he was a a big pro. I mean, I don't think he was like very a very big name. Like very, locally, he was a very big name. There. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy could the guy could three whip six foot spines when you know that was a Miron was doing it. A mm-hmm. couple other people, maybe Mira. He was three whipping spines all the way back then, smooth, dialed. I mean, he was flipping spines. He could. He did all these really like interesting tricks too, and he not to mention he had front back breaks. Um, him and Flip would come to Changa all the time and kill it, just like mind blowing stuff. And my, what I was always so impressed with with those guys is that they could go and ride tech very well, 
and then they could go jump very well, and then they could go ride Flatland. I mean, Flip's a, Flip does all types of good Flatland stuff, so does Suchin, and all those dudes. They're just all around shredders, and then and then what's even crazier is they're all good people, really solid dudes. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very interesting, um, and I am thankful I grew up in the Midwest area because I think that was a big Midwest thing. Yeah. Like everybody was always nice to the kids who were coming up because they were psyched on riding. They wanted to keep going with riding. Yeah. The cat brought you a toy to toss it. Don't toss oh, it. Don't toss okay. it. Don't keep <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll drink my water instead. <laughs> okay. So you jumped the spine at Changa. Yeah. What what came next? What's the next most notable thing? Notable tricks. Oh, just wow. anything within riding. Oh. Well, I do remember. I, I think the the after that I was when I got my first war pig. That was I, I still had the war pig tattoo. Um, yeah, uh, I got my first war pig, and that was notable to me because I think it was the first time I ever saw somebody ride that I was like, this guy is so different. And I'm gonna throw her in another room. Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> cats put away. Anyways, war pig. Okay. So, Troy McBride was the first person I ever saw a ride that I was like, this guy has, is on to something. Like, this guy's doing it bigger than everybody else. He's on to something. And I rode the War Pig, and probably that was, that was the point where I started learning whips, started learning threes. And I'd always been like, I got okay at riding. Um, but I never really had the extra push. I think at that point in my life, like, I rode because... I was okay with getting hurt. I kind of wanted to die. I was like, yeah, this is great. I'm like a teenager. I'm like mad all the time. Mm-hmm. This is something that I can do. I, and I didn't really think about it anything more than that or something that I really loved doing. I think it was just something I, I enjoyed and I was happy. I, it was something if I got hurt doing, I loved it enough that I was okay with it, but I wasn't really completely dedicated. Um, and then I ruptured my spleen. That's when everything kind of changed. So I ruptured my spleen. I got 39 staples in my stomach. And when I when I got up from that and I started riding again, everything changed because it was like, I almost died. Mm-hmm. Really can't get any worse. And like everything, I think almost dying almost makes everything in your life become fun. So now <laughs> like, now you're like, well, this is, this was all like so serious at first and scary and sad, but like now it's all a game. Like and now I'm, I'm I now at this point I love riding, I would do anything for it, and at the same time I really am like I'm really sending it, falling, learning like learning whatever. I mean I I could I could before that I could do like maybe three whips at the most, but after this is when I start three whipping spines. I start mm-hmm. doing double whips, sevens, things like that. I'm really really concentrated on them riding. I'm spending four hours to six hours a day if we're going to changa then i had a great crew at the time you're talking about i'm riding with justin simpson jordan stewart uh, my buddy bill beeble rode with me like every day jeff genzen was there all the time and keeping the park open late and we were all shredding all night long joey greenwald was around (laughs) (laughs) the sponge was around like all these people that 
have disappeared over the years. I mean, Anthony Psycho was still on point at that time. You know, like these guys were killing it. Yeah, legit Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I still have a I still have a great story about Psycho, and I, and I hate to I hate to call him out because I I think he's a really good guy. We were just both very competitive with each other, uh-huh. um, and he and honestly, he's one of my most influential people in riding. Like I I always wanted to ride like that guy. He's unbelievably talented. Anyways, when I got my first picture in ride, it was a wall ride transfer chain on one end of the spine. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so in the middle, of, if you want, if you look at the picture, you look at the background, it's completely black. Um, so it looks like there's lights on by the spine. It's not. It's just the flash. So uh-huh. he turns out all the, uh, um, he knows exactly what I'm doing. Afro Pat actually was the one to say, hey, film this with Dorito. Jordan Stewart's saying Psycho, like, he's he's literally in the middle of trying to film this. It's actually, like, 9.50 at this time. It's not even part closing yeah. time. Like he's, But he's already shutting off the lights because he's <laughs> trying to get in the way of this as much as possible. And so I, like, I remember Fudger's there, Perringer's there, and I look over at him, and all the lights are out, and I'm like, fuck it. And, like, it's completely pitch, <laughs> it's completely pitch black, and I sent, and I actually landed it. That was the time I actually landed it. And because uh, I tried it twice before that and I fell, and then the next time I, I landed it perfectly, and it was when the lights were off. So it's just pretty funny that he actually went to that level of being like, "Fuck this guy," <laughs> that knowing knowing that I was getting this picture from right at the time and shutting yeah. off lights. But at the same time, he was still the same guy that like when the last contest at Changa happened, he came up to me before and he said, you better, he was hurt. He had, he blew his ACL and he said, you better win this because we always have a local win. Yeah. You know, like he was always like, we were competitive, but we, we had respect for each other. And I think that's the thing with the whole Midwest. Like people were competitive, but they were like, at the same time, if I was on the street dying, they'd be the first people like jumping in front of a car for me or something, you know, like yeah. all these people were, were like that. Um, so nobody, I mean, Justin Simpson and I, Jesus Christ, just I learned how to bar a bubica, uh, and like I finally learned him. Simpson learned him before me, and I was I was salty, so I wanted to learn him. So I I start doing them on six foot quarter pipes, and then I did one on a sub rail. It was the smaller sub rail in the bowl at Changa. Simpson had only done that trick on a quarter pipe once, and then he just took it to the blue sub rail because I just did it on the smaller sub mm-hmm. rail. And so, you know, Simpson and I would just go back and forth with this sort of thing and always trying to one-up each other all the time. I mean, that's it's just the way it was. Like, nobody hated each other. It was just competitive. And it's funny when you see people today, like, um, I can't even, I don't want to name names, actually, but I know that there's a lot of competition between people. Actually, that sucks because I'm bringing up something. <laughs> but there's there back in the day, it was like I said, it was competitive, but it was respectful. And, yeah. And then Changa Two got near the end, and instead of it being respectful, it was I'm going to ban you from the park because you got this good at riding. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some like people like Rob Armour are getting in trouble, you know, like and and things people like that are, are like for for no reason. There's nothing. Robbie's like the one of the coolest dudes ever. And there's and like, but people that you never think would have, that anybody would have anything bad to say about people are making up stuff. I mean, Ambrose wasn't allowed in the park after that. He was he was a really good rider at that point. So it just turned into this very weird situation where instead of this respectful thing going on, it turned it kind of changed into we're competitive and fuck you and I will say anything about you to undercut you or do whatever. And it, it's very it's very odd. It's like this very 
weird mindset that kind of changed in that area. Yeah, it kind of got dark for a little while. Like, (laughs) I think along the lines of when the come up and anonymous comments started coming in, people just all started hating each other. Yeah. And that's when it got really bad. Well, look at the, it's, it's the same with Facebook, you know, it's not that Facebook is a bad thing, it's that it, things turned and started to get, people started to become desensitized to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I, I still always, if I'm, if I'm debating with somebody or arguing with somebody, no matter what it is, I try to have a normal conversation with that person. Yeah. I never, you know, say fuck you, call people racist, but like look at what people watch on TV and then like I don't I don't watch TV, so I try to stay away from things. I try to if I get if I get news it's something I've read and I usually try to stay away from getting heated about things. People just are immediately triggered, angry, freaking out, you know, like you go to colleges and I'm like, oh, you guys are in finals week, and they're like petting dogs and cats because they're like, <laughs> did you see that? Like, I we used to have that when I was. Yeah, and like a, a place like that's a college, it's a place to get opposing views. Um, changed to this weird thing that now we're not just getting opposing views from each other. Um, we are saying this is the way we we look at the world, and we don't want to hear anything else. And that's a very scary situation to get into. So when you have, it's the same thing with riding you have all these people that have decided something is the way it is and it's just not and then bmx got dark and it got a little weird for a while but it seems like that's kind of changing right oh yeah it's been changing for a while it seems like some of the people that were really funding that uh not even funding but fighting for that kind of negativity almost in a way it sounds weird to be fighting for negativity which i'm sure they don't see it that way like you yeah. uh, you have to realize nobody's really ba- a bad person most yeah. people go to bed every night and they have to like look at themselves in the mirror and say i'm doing this right i mean uh for instance god i hate to use that that new movie that came out affinity one because i just saw it with my girlfriend the Infinity War? Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever it was, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I hate to use that, but this is a good reference because other people might get it. But you have the villain. The yeah. villain's killing everybody. Like, I mean, yeah. at the end of it, he's like half the people. That was more like 80% if we're going to dice it up right. What you saw. Yeah, what you saw looked like more like 80%, but whatever. That's besides the point. But at the end of it, you know, like, he he's fighting through the whole thing saying, this is the way it's got to be because mm-hmm. I've decided this. And, you know, everybody's telling him not to do this, and this isn't right, but he's only listening to himself, and he's only surrounding himself with people that will um, say the same thing that he's saying and back up his side of the story. Yep. So it's the same as when you go into these places, and, like, everybody wants to ride for a certain company. So if I own Thriller, that's my company... I own Thriller, and if people who ride for me, like, they, I can, I try to know that most of them sometimes are just agreeing with me, and I also try to surround myself with people that will have no problem telling me I'm an idiot. Yeah. Um, But I know that sometimes people who want to either ride on the team or do something agree with me, just to agree with me. Um, And so I have to keep in mind that. So I don't ever, like, just go, oh, my ideas are great, I'm perfect, I'm the sickest, you know, like, I'm I'm doing great. So, And then when you go into skate park situations and somebody's the gatekeeper for the skate park and you walk in and that person's either saying, 
hey, I don't like this guy, I don't like this guy, and so you're walking around going, yeah, whatever, I, don't, I hate those guys too, you know, like, you're right, and, like, you don't, but you just want to go ride, because like, you want to be left alone, and you, so you say these things, and then that turns into a situation where, you, where that person's in an echo chamber, so the good person gets into an echo chamber, thinks all their ideas are right, and then... It, it usually crumbles to a point of collapse where they're like, oh, my God, like, my ideas weren't all right. You know, yeah. like, so... If it ever gets to if that If it point, ever gets to a that. A lot of people these days just shut out all differing opinions so that they can feel like theirs is the right one. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it goes straight to that, for instance, I hate to bring out the Hoffman thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. But... Matt Hoffman, being as awesome as he is, being Matt fucking Hoffman, being a person who I have more respect for than probably anybody in the world. Yeah, I don't, uh, and uh, and that's the thing too is I don't I don't agree with his way of doing that, and it's not because he didn't have valid points. It's just because you have to be able to go and that's well. Let's get back on the, the echo chamber part of it first. So the echo chamber part of that goes, I put that online. I put a bunch of things online, and I, and I put the link up. And I actually messed up the link, and I didn't realize that until after I posted it, but then I clicked on it, and it didn't work. Yeah. So then I left it up on purpose, and all these people are commenting, yeah, fuck that, listen to him, you know, like he's right, <laughs> and, and nobody's, nobody's read it. Yeah. And then it wasn't until later when I, when I started messaging these people because I really wanted to know, did you actually read the article? Um, what did you What did you think about it? Things like that. Nobody read it. I would be really curious to hear how many people actually read it, or how many people heard someone else talking about it, and yeah. then just made their judgments based on that. And that's what And that's what happens. I mean, that's that's the entire society in general. Um, because look at look. Okay, so Facebook news comes through. It says this, that, and the other thing. Um, for instance, the other day I, I posted something about like dogs. It was something in Illinois. They were trying to fight some ridiculous marijuana law of some sort, and saying if it's legalized, the cops said they would have to put down all these dogs. And it was like a very ridiculous thing to say, mm-hmm. you know. Like uh, it, it, and it c- cut up a lot of turmoil. Instead of people saying, "I'm going to read that and see what it exactly says." Nobody did that. Um, they just started getting upset. They didn't say that. That's fucked up. That would never happen. Cops would never do this, you know. And, and granted, like I don't believe in killing cops or hurting cops, and I don't believe all cops are bad people. Um, but at the same time, that that was said, and all you had to do was click on the link, and then they said, "Well, it's it's uh you know it's from High Times. It's a terrible magazine for that. They're biased." Okay, and I sent them another link from the Washington Post. You know, oh my God, you know, it's, you never know who's writing for them, and it just. Everybody wants to be in this echo chamber where they only believe what they want to believe, and so it's it's. I try to constantly surround myself with opposing viewpoints. Um, yep. So you always have to look at the other side. If you can't argue the other side of your opinion, you've got no business holding an opinion. Good point. Good point. Absolutely. But now then, then we get to Hoffman, <laughs> and then so this comes out. He says A, B, and C, and this is the the exact issue we have in um, the United States, the world, what whatever you want to do it. We go from, for instance, the, go to the Soviet Union if you want to. You have this all this place, and they say, oh, there's disparity, there's this, that, and the other thing that's bad. So, and it's basically the premise of the book Animal Farm by George Orwell. 
all these people, all these other, the animals want to get in control. And so the animals are going around trying to get in control over um, society. Basically, it, it is made act, actually after the Soviet Union. It's, it's actually a play on it. And so the animals get in control, but then they become the exact people that they were planning on not being. Mm-hmm. So that's what usually happens. So it's just this control structure. And then so when you have somebody that says, this is right, this is what we exactly we need, and I know it, and they don't let somebody else just go, I think it's this way, and let it go. Like, mm-hmm. let it go. Even if you don't, I, maybe I don't agree with it either. Maybe I don't, I don't like the way they're doing things. It doesn't matter. The opinion doesn't matter. The only person whose, whose opinion matters in riding is the bike riders. Yep. And they're the ones that don't fucking say a word because if they say something, <laughs> they're not going to make finals. You know, yep. like it doesn't it doesn't matter to me anymore. Like I, I'm not I'm not competing. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to make finals, but it matters to them, and they can't say a fucking word. And and I will always remember the one time uh, <clears throat> when I when I rode in due tour, and I was upset that I didn't make a I didn't place or something. I was I thought I rode better than that, but at the same time that could have just been in my head. But everybody said, oh, you wrote better than that. And then, like, you know, and I got kind of a little bit, oh, well, maybe I should ask the judges, like, what I did, you know, like. And then Chad Kagey comes up to me and he goes, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. And I won't get into exactly how far he went into that conversation, but moral of the story is you could ruin your entire career by going up to somebody and saying, yeah. hey, why didn't I place? Um, and, and that's the thing, and, and if you did that in, in any other sports or whatever, it's very normal. Like, it's very normal to wonder why, um, especially yeah. with scoring structures and different things. It's very normal to know, know why, but, I mean, I've had the, oh, this kid this kid did better than this person, and I'm, I'm not even talking about contests I've been in, talking about contests I've judged, arguing it with other people. This kid did better than this person. I don't know. His dad was there. He had a smile on his face. You know, like, this other kid, he looked like he was having a bad time, you know? And, yeah. and uh, you know, there was a... Uh, God, there was some kid at... I'm, I know his name. He's actually really big. This was a couple years ago. He's a really big name now. But he wrote at Ramp Riders. And he... Everything looked so easy to him that he wasn't smiling or even laughing. Like, it was like a joke. Like, yeah. riding was that he was so good at it and put so much time and effort into it. It was a joke. And, yeah, he wasn't smiling. And he wasn't – because, honestly, doing 720 bar spins and, and double tail up to bar spins, and it, that isn't fun. Yeah. It, I, I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. It isn't, it isn't fun. Yeah. But what is the fun is the fulfillment. You do that because you want, you like the fulfillment. It is, it is fun to be nailing stuff back and forth and, and riding at this great level, but it is hard and it is scary and you are concentrating and it's mm-hmm. not just a laughable, joking situation the whole time. And that's, that needs to be okay like in BMX, but for some reason we have it in our head that half of us over here are, are like, okay, everything has to be for fun, and you're riding down the street, and that's fun, and that's great. I have no problem with that. That's awesome. But then the other half over here is like, it needs to be serious, and the, and this, that, and the other thing. And the problem we're having is that nobody's understanding both halves. You know, yeah. they're not they're not respecting the guy, the guy, because the guy who goes there six days a week, seven days a week, and kills himself every single day, that dude is dedicated, and he loves it, and he has just as much fun doing it as the other person who's, who's just riding down the street. Mm-hmm. Granted, in the middle of these crazy tricks, he might not be having the, the greatest time in the world. That's a whole nother thing. That's a fulfillment thing. It's a. It's almost like a, a philosophy of stoicism where it's like, 
I have to do this because I need to. Yeah. Like I want to. And then when uh-huh. I when I do it, I'm fulfilled and I love it because A, B, and C. Um, it's not a I'm just riding and enjoying it because learning new tricks is scary. Like Drew Bazanzan, he's a person who has fun jumping off of massive things and doing stuff, but I can tell you there's there's moments I'm sure he's, you know, a little bit terrified. Oh, you know, yeah. and and like that, and like everybody has moments where they're a little. And if you're not scared, and if you're not falling, you're not trying. Yeah, and yeah. that's and that's the life too. Like all these people, they're not they're not scared. They're not trying. I mean, I I've, I'm meeting kids now that are afraid to hit on girls. Like they're like, oh my god, if I go to the mall and like there's a girl over here and she's hot, I want to talk to her, but you know it's really scary. And I go, well, why don't you talk to her? Well, you know it would be scary. And so they, they don't. And then they go the rest of their life not doing these things. It's the same as, like, I want to get this job, or I want to be this person, or I want to do this. Just go fucking do it. You know, nobody nobody's just going out and just doing these things and trying. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm getting, steer me back to course. I'm getting... <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We got a lot. We got a lot to go back to. I, first of all, with the whole Matt Hoffman thing, we talked on the phone at that point in time, and we both had a lot of opinions. And I kind of boiled it down to one thing. And one thing only that was, I think, his big mistake in what he said, mm-hmm. in that he shouldn't have told everyone to boycott the UCI. He was yeah. using his power to get people to boycott the UCI when what he could have done and looked good on all fronts was just say, this is happening. Can you guys try and get them to work with us or yeah. put pressure on them so that we can all work together? Because... That was the whole problem in the first place is that they weren't working with them in the whole situation. Yeah. And like you could have done that and made yourself look good on all fronts rather than try and kill off someone who just has a differing way of doing things in a in like perspective, I guess you could say. And UCI is not going anywhere. No. It's not stopping. Those riders aren't going to quit doing it just because well, a lot of them are, I mean, I mean, I know, I don't know Daniel's exact reason, but I remember a couple of years ago when I was in, I was in Greenville and Durst said he was, Daniel Durst said he was going to um, go to these contests overseas for, for UCI instead of doing um, Dutour or something or RX Games. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it was, but he ended up doing that. And I mean, there's something that's driving them there. And that's the thing what you're talking about is, you're, you're, it's a centralized control thing, and that's what happens when you have somebody who goes, this is my control structure. And I'm glad to see, for once, BMX saying, no, we're not going to do it that way and just keep going. Mm-hmm. Because BMX doesn't do that. BMX usually says, oh, okay, somebody's upset. Let's fix this. Let's cater it to them. And, and that's the thing. Hoffman's allowed to have whatever opinion he has, especially Matt Hoffman. He's yeah. fucking Matt Hoffman. He can right. have whatever opinion he has. But it just turns into a situation where now you ha- it'd be like if back in the day there was there there wasn't anything going on and Hoffman got into uh, started doing the contest scenes. Uh, but it'd be like if there was X Games and then somebody like Matt Hoffman said, "I think I have a better idea. I'm going to try it." And then X Games boycotted him. There's just no there, it doesn't it doesn't help things. And BMX at at the point it's at right now, there's not many. There's not many contests. Mm-hmm. There's not many things for kids to get into. There's not definitely not beginner contests. No, there's actually, sh- well, actually, Hot Wheels just did a junior series. 
Really? In Texas, where it was only 16 and under contests, and there was different brackets within that. Nice. Yeah, it was... Is really and that awesome. and that's awesome, but it's like it, it'd be like me saying, "Well, I think you know that's a stupid idea. We shouldn't do it." Right? It it just it everything and everything everybody wants to try should be able to happen, and that's how that's how free markets work. That's how um, decentralization works. Like if you have someone who's in control of everything and says everything, because it's kind of like the situation and the old riddle: if I were king. Mm-hmm. If if I were king, I would have only this contest, and this contest would be this way, and it would because you don't know everything. You can't not know everything. You cannot, and you cannot say that my contest will be better than anybody because my idea is better than everybody's forever. Mm-hmm. That's that that crushes growth. That that stifles innovation. Mm-hmm. The whole point of having a bunch of people out here able to do whatever they want to do, creating new ideas, doing different things, is to grow. And we're not right yep. now. We're stagnant. BMX is very stagnant. The, I mean, I, I watched somebody post something about, oh, there's this kid, and he's always writing us for parts and stuff, and he wants to get sponsored one of these days, and, and I'm going to put, and he put his name out on blast, and, and uh, the other kids who do it too, they put all their names out on blast and said, you know, fuck these kids. They're just, uh, and I swear. Someone actually <laughs> did that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, I'm not going to say names. I just want to tell you later, but <laughs> competition breeds innovation. Yes, and and that's... with lots of different outlooks and point of views and people doing things, you innovate and more happens. But second of all, if you're the one who did that and you said "f you" to all these kids and you put them on blast, "f you." Well, what's even <laughs> well, well, what's even worse is that that's a person who actually has some say so in a company. Yeah, that's as that's, far as I'll go with that. But that's, that's somebody crazy. who has some say so in a company because those kids, you could have literally sent them a sticker from your brand, and they would have been or pumped. and a discount they for one part, so and they would have rode that part for so long. And that and that's another thing they could get into. You you you've been loyal to this company for for so many years, and this person's I'm, I'm buying your bars, I'm buying your cranks, yeah. I'm buying this that and the other thing, and then this keeps going and going on forever and ever. Let's say they they get good at riding. Uh, great, you could sponsor them one day. Let's say they never do. Yep. Great, they're being loyal and they're buying, they're buying parts. But you could have, you could have. I mean, I'm not even saying you have to give a discount. I'm just saying if you would have even given them a nice word of encouragement, yeah, that would have worked better. Post for your something company. of them on Instagram. Yeah, post a picture. Anything of them. because all the stuff it it really sucks. Mm-hmm. And I've been living this that. All of the people who are in power within BMX are the ones who get to make the opinions and decide how things get to be. And everyone below them, if you say anything against it, you can completely screw yourself out of any possible potential for anything. Just by having the wrong opinion. Yes. And that's that's kind of messed up, especially when you look at some of the people who are professional riders right now. Yes. And it's it's very scary. It's very scary. Like that that's what bothers me the most about it is that um that thing came out about Hoffman and I'm sure and like I said, respect for Hoffman, but I'm sure there was lots of people who were like fuck and and honestly there this is the difference in our society than others is that we don't have to say you're right or wrong we vote with our dollars mm-hmm. they went to that contest still you know yeah. so they obviously had opinions differing 
than him. Yeah. But they still they still went, and they're not going to say anything out loud because if they do, they'll come back here, and maybe one day there is a contest that he has more involvement in or, or something, and then they're blocked out. They're getting yep. they're they're out of every final. They're you know they're they're always. I mean I I've heard like uh you know the one time it was it was up and coming rider in um, Toronto. It was actually he's a he's a huge name now, and I'll keep his name out of it because it'll give it completely away. But Toronto Jam, one of the first years it was ever at, he was just killing it. Uh, oh my god, he's an amazing rider. Never heard of that kid before. Um, and then he didn't make. Uh, he didn't place very well. He made finals, but he didn't place very well. And you know, we were all wondering. And and I knew one of the judges pretty well, so I said, "Hey, you know, why didn't he place very well?" Well, he's kind of cocky and he's an asshole and blah blah blah. Like, and also like making making an opinion of somebody in five minutes. Like, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt, even the person who said that. I know they're mm-hmm. good people. Most people are good people. They're just maybe misinformed. Maybe they're at different points in their life. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what happens. I mean, it's kind of like when you're younger, you're you're kind of in. The, you want your parents making decisions for you, and you're kind of confused. Like some, I, I wasn't like that, but a lot of kids are. And then they get older, and they want somebody else making decisions for them, like a daddy figure. So maybe it's the government. Maybe they they want the government making decisions for them, saying what it is to make their life easier. Uh, you know, whatever. And then they then as people get older and they mature, not even older, but more mature. They, they want to rely on themselves. They become individuals. They become mm-hmm. self-reliant. They want to do everything by themselves. And, and, for instance, you are a self-reliant person. You know how to film. You know how to edit. Mm-hmm. You can probably build a website. You can probably do all these things, whereas most people don't really take the initiative to do that. So we look for this person to say, this is the way it is. So somebody comes out and says, I don't like this because A, B, and C. Then other people come out. Well, I don't like that too because A, B, and C. They just parrot exactly what that person mm-hmm. said. They didn't make up any decisions for themselves. And then we get into the situation where we're at now. And this has just been happening over and over the years for years and years and years. And so many good, good people and good riders have been jaded completely out of the system. Um, and Absolutely. It's, it's bad. And then we have, and going back to the kids, so all those kids who could have been riding, maybe that kid becomes a pro one day. Maybe he's the maybe he's like a suction, you know, maybe he's like puts up a website, wants to teach kids how to ride. Maybe he starts a show team. Maybe he starts a, a bike company. You know, maybe he had, po- he had possibilities in the BMX industry at that point. At the very least, he would have bought your parts or bikes yeah. or something like from somebody. And it doesn't even matter. That's the thing, too. It doesn't matter which company. It's, it's for instance, the show industry is very competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody wants to, you know, uh, fuck this guy over. And if I send somebody a show or, or whatever, like, here's a show, I, I always hear back, oh, that person, you know, they gave me their card and, you know, they're soliciting. Like, it, it's, it's not a very, like, above the board type of thing. But because I know what decentralization is and I know how this would work. I don't I want more and more people to start show teams. I want yeah. people to go out there because all that happens is when a show goes well, let's say that the person's from Texas and then somehow this person's magically in Texas, they see the show, then they fly out here and they want to book the same thing. And yeah. they book it with someone like me or someone in this area that does show teams and then that 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 as long as the shows are going well and the shows are going good, this will keep going. And it's the same as uh, for instance, I was looking for um, a bike company to give me, give, or not give me bikes, but sell bikes to me 
to sell to schools because they they usually buy Kmart bikes for the kids. Oh the, yeah. And then the the okay. schools are calling me like, hey, you know, why did you give my kid this crappy bike? Right. And I'm like, that had no, has nothing to do with me. But what I wanted to do was get like good bikes to give to these kids. And I called a couple people and they weren't very interested in it. But that's besides the point. My point is that if these kids are getting on real BMX bikes, no matter what. No matter what, they will be going to a bike shop at some point. Yeah. They will, at some point, need to get something fixed, buy a new part, whatever. This as creates... long as it's not sitting in their garage yes. and they never, ever touch it again. Yeah, yes, they're yes. They're going to have to do something. Yes. And they, so this creates, I mean, and even if that, even if they win this, it sits in their garage, they're probably going to sell it. Yeah. And then another kid might get a great deal and start riding. But there's possibilities in that. Mm-hmm. There is no possibility in crushing people's spirit. Absolutely. No possibility. And no, no possibility in getting rid of, of these things at all. And it's important to think about, too, for every person who's out there saying F you to kids and whatnot, there's a there's 10 other people who are doing good. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about the good people because yeah. they're out there doing their good thing. And obviously, you never hear about the good stuff. Yeah. The, we always focus on the bad. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's always going to be good people doing these things. But I think it's important, too, to focus on... And talk about the bad so that the good can speak up too and push that out. And I will 100% say that I would not be sitting here right now if it wasn't for people restraining themselves from crushing what I was doing. Because when I first started making videos, I mean, I didn't watch any other videos. I just did it. And I was on AOL Instant Messenger messaging the good guys too, telling them all kinds of stuff. And not one time did anyone other than random comments say, this sucks. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, yeah. I never had one person talk bad about it. And I think who knows what would have happened if they did. And it was always constructive. You know, like, that's that's what I think the big difference was. Because you have to remember, this was a tough era. So this, it's kind of like, for instance, people, um, for instance, I'm an ex-addict. Mm-hmm. People, for some reason, think people who uh, get sober off heroin and go to like an NA or AA meeting, people like love them back to death, back to life or something, you know, like, and that's that's bullshit. Like, you will get your ass handed to you. You will get locked in a room if they think you have a fucking problem. Mm-hmm. You will get yelled at, screamed at, told you're an idiot for doing stupid things. But at the same time, these people are doing this because they care. So it's sim- it's similar to your situation. And for I grew up at Chang'e One. The older guys were terrifying. That's what I've always heard. Yeah, like they, they, I, I literally was so scared of one of the guys one time. The six, foot, I was like twelve, and I was on the six foot mini ramp, and one of the guys said I was in his way, and instead of like, I was so terrified of them. Instead of doing anything like me riding down the ramp or getting out of his way, I literally took my bike and just got on it and bunny hopped off the side of the six foot mini. I just <laughs> fell like wow. real bad, you know, like. And, and there's all these situations like that, or like they had no problem. Like you're sitting on the box jump in their way, they're just gonna plot. They're gonna ask you once, and then they're gonna plow into you. But you learned fast. Yeah. Um, and none of these people did did any of these. I mean, it sounds it sounds terrible because people are like, oh my god, that's so bad. But at the same time, I learned quickly. Everybody who was there learned very quickly. Mm-hmm. And if I would have been hurt, um, because I had, I have gotten hurt there before. Those same guys were the ones picking me up off the floor, taking me to the hospital, waiting in the hospital room with me all night long, 
you know so it's it's it was a it's a respect thing like you have people that can and you're a new kid getting in riding you have people that could just say hey i i really like what you're doing uh, but you know like for instance your videos but you know you could probably do this better mm-hmm. maybe watch this video you could see what you're doing yeah and so it's not like people sat there and just said you're great you know you're awesome because yeah. like that that's ridiculous too that's the whole participation trophy shit that right. that's that's not very helpful either but it's helpful if somebody says you're doing great like you emailed me to get some free bike parts um and not even free you just said check out my videos if you think i'm good blah 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 Um, so thanks for doing that. I don't, at this point, we're not really adding anybody to the team. Um, but at the same time, you're getting good. Like maybe one day you could like give them something to shoot for. Like it's not like we're not sitting, like riders aren't sitting here making millions of dollars. Like this isn't like early, you know, like late 19, 1990s, you know, like riders aren't making a lot of, a lot of money on big, like weird, like 1-800 collector or whatever like that. But give them something to shoot for because no matter what, these kids, even if, like, let's say they're getting free parts, like, they're just doing this because they love it. Like, nobody, nobody's getting enough out of this be- for anything more. If you, if you want to make more money, um, you would become an engineer. You'd be, be and that's, that's probably a ridiculous thing because mm-hmm. engineering feels way overblown right now. But you would do something else that makes a ton of money you would not be riding bikes. So right. most of these kids are just doing it because they love to do it, and they, and they see you, and you get free parts. And they want to be like you. Yeah. That's all it is. They want to be like that person that they look up to, and they think you're pretty cool, and they think maybe if I got free parts one day, maybe I could help run this company. Maybe, uh, you know, like, but maybe I don't get free parts. Maybe they give me five per $5 off, you know. Like, maybe they cut my tax. I don't know. You know, yeah. there's, there's all types of cool things that... For a kid, they would think it's amazing, but they right. just crush them. Anyways, though, um, I'm trying to think. I had something in my head. I was going to counter what you were saying, too, with obviously not every team manager or person responding to emails can get to every single kid who's emailing them Mm -hmm. and also at the same time. There are people out there who do only want to get sponsored. Like that's their only motivation. That's yeah, all that, they and, want. and that's kind of a, a, so. What I'm talking about is kind of a gross oversimplification. Well, yeah, you're you talking know, like, about like I, a, I'm a talking group about a, of people. Uh, one or you know one or two bad bad eggs. But at the yeah. same time, if they're in in the industry in these upper spots, that happens. I mean, it, it's. It's very diced up, like you said. Yeah. Like it's not just it's not everybody doing that. And at the same time, though, I will say that it's it's becoming a problem. It is more and more uh, of an issue. Whereas back in the day, it didn't seem like much. Um, you had somebody like uh, I, I'll call. I, I I love FBM because John Quartz works for them, um, and the other, and the other people that work for them. But uh, not not a big fan of Steve Crandall. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he's a good dude. We I think we're 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 over our uh, our, our bad feelings these days. Or we're grown ups. It's it's done. But he when he when I was a little kid, he'll not, he probably has no idea about this. When I was a little, this is pretty funny. So the, and this is why I always try to be nice to kids because I see the the how much certain things might impact them. Mm-hmm. For instance, I my mother and Jordan Stewart. My mom took me and Jordan Stewart, Jordan Stewart and I, all the way out to Binghamton, New York, for the first Ghetto Street contest, which was awesome because it was the first time I ever got to see Hollywood ride a contest, and that was oh, really cool. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, like uh, I mean, he three whipped over a uh, subrail which had a running car under it, and FEM always puts on great jams. They all they're they're known for putting on great jams and contests, yeah. but. I got there. I left my bike in the way of Crandall. Um, and if it was an FBM, he would have moved it. Secret, it was an FBM Angel of Death. But he <laughs> somehow didn't know what his bike looked like. So he called, He threw it down a flight of stairs, uh, called it a Harl Blamo, actually destroyed my back wheel, bent my handlebars, and I couldn't ride the contest that I came out there. And then I paid for it, and whoever was uh, doing the money for that contest wouldn't give me my money back. That's <laughs> Yeah, so it's like, and, and it's not that, you know, to the, I, don't, I don't hold it against Crandall to this day or anything, but it's just, why? Yeah. You know, like, I would, never, I would never destroy someone else's property like that, whether I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world or not. And not yeah. to mention it was, a, it was an FBM angel of death, which is, it makes it even more ridiculous. But I would never do that. But you just have to, I would say that it's not that everybody's doing bad things or they're doing wrong by, you know, disregarding some of these emails or even being a little bit edgy with the kids. Like, I've, I've done all types of things like that. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I get it. But it's more try to understand what you're doing. Try to understand how this could affect this person. Yeah. Um, put yourself in the kid's shoes. I mean, no matter what you say, like at some point, I mean, I was riding as a, as a kid and I didn't think about ever being good enough to get sponsored or anything of that sort. I wanted to be, um, but I didn't think I'd ever be good enough to do anything with riding, uh, even at a small level. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the cat is back. And she's gnawing on your equipment. We're not. We're not going to gnaw on, on, on the camera equipment. We'll just shut down that conversation with the cat every twenty minutes. Yeah. Well, it happens. Yeah. It's not a big deal. It's uh. It it's adds character. Yes. Yes. This this has character. Definitely is some something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, though, things definitely were a lot different back then. Mm-hmm. As far as what you can see, I mean, and I else to cut you off one second. I hate to say the old days were better. That that's not what I'm saying. No, nobody's saying the old days were better. Well, that, obviously, with that story, yeah. that's the opposite. Yeah, that's yeah. like the old days are bad. And if yeah. and one perfect like comparison you can make is, mm-hmm. can you imagine what it would be like if someone if they made shot for shot criminal mischief today? Oh yeah, it would. That people will probably be in jail. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like those dudes got away with a lot of stuff, and the culture's completely changed as far as that kind of thing goes. Well, it's 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 scary to me because we kind of and we don't we don't see it because when you live every single day and you walk around, you never really look up, um, and mm-hmm. that's and that's scary. So what you just said is is very interesting. Like now. 
they could literally just go online and, and put a couple things in and figure out exactly where you were at when you broke whatever over whatever. Oh, yeah. And did whatever and probably find you and unlock you up because of this. I mean, that's that's all completely legal right now. Yep. Um, uh, there's, there's people will, if somebody's watching this, they will try to correct me and say that it's because of the, the, um, the Terrorism uh, Act, Homeland Security. But no, that's actually the NDAA changed that even more. So now it's anybody. Anybody they can do that. So, like, that's terrifying. So, like, if someone sees you breaking a rail in a video. Yeah. Or, like, cutting one or something like that. That could, that could possibly, I mean, it just, it just depends on who caught you, who filmed you, was it on, the, was it on their camera, do they care? And, and what happens a lot of time with criminal cases, and this is what I deal with a lot of my business, is it really worth it for me to pay this amount of money for a lawyer and yeah, everything to right. do so? Or is it is it less money to fix it? Most of the time, a rail you're probably not going to get in trouble for. Right. Taking a TV, throwing it through somebody's uh, window of a car. Yeah. You probably get in trouble now. <laughs> right. But you know, it's just it's. I mean, it's just num- rule number one is just you know no don't like harm on another person's property. Yeah, and that's I honestly yeah. don't even really like riding street. For that reason alone, like I love doing street things mm-hmm. and going out and whatnot, but I get so paranoid because I'm like, dude, any second cops could roll up, and if you made one scratch on something, you could get in trouble. And instantly oh, I get. Being... I've gotten in so much shit, and what's even what's even crazier is like, so I I have done bad things and ended up in bad situations, yeah, and, and I get that. But I have done nothing and ended up in the back of police cars and in jail uh, for riding street without even doing anything. There was one time I, I um, what was it? Brendan Wargo actually just got to see me get pulled over one time. That was pretty funny. <laughs> we were together and I got pulled over. And it's like, it's, I don't know if it's, it, it's, it depends on where I'm at. Because you could be, you guys could be in the hood and be being white and in the hood they'll be like, what is this person doing? Yeah. I could be riding someplace that's a very white place and they'll be like what are, what are you guys doing so it's, it just depends are, are you in a predominantly light-skinned or dark-skinned area you know where, where are you at um so and just being on a bike like and just being if on a they bike, see pegs on your bike yeah. or anything like that yeah. instantly you're gonna they're gonna be watching you because i mean they can't do anything better than that apparently a, yeah a lot of the times there's at least one person who's just that's what they're they're looking for problems. Oh yeah, that, and if you look out of character, then yeah. Well, they they I mean the one time they tossed my entire car and they found a spray paint can which was for my bike. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then they ended up taking the spray paint can and taking me down and to, to showing me this building that they said I like graffitied on. And I was like, I, I I assure you, I have no no fucking talent for yeah. art at all so that definitely couldn't be me <laughs> but they they were convinced of it so and then i got taken downtown i got some fine that was like 250 dollars that i had to pay for them to like clean it up or something yeah. i didn't have anything to do with it but i still just paid it you know and so and, and then also driving trucks this is even hilarious so over the years i've gotten smarter and so now um, I got pulled over, and they gave me a, a, a ticket for driving a truck that makes money or something. Literally, a truck and trailer that what? makes money, and it wasn't com- it wasn't under commercial. Oh, so, okay. so I went into the court case and kind of like, well, it's 
pretty funny. We, I mean, I can talk about it now. It's not like I can get in trouble again for for the same crime. Um, I sold them. I, I started making a joke about it. Like, you think we ride little kids' bikes around to make money? Yeah. <laughs> like, the whole the judges laughing. I wish they would have been on film. It was like a, a it was like a fucking Hollywood movie. But the judges laughing. The, the everybody's laughing. The cops upset because he's trying to hit me with this charge and whatever. Yeah. But like, you know, you get just riding bikes in general. You can get into trouble but at the same time it's it, it is kind of the rush of it too is like you are in and out of spots you're having fun and, and most people like aren't really there to like if you're grinding a ledge you're not really damaging the ledge right if you're grinding a rail you're not really damaging things um you know if you if you're taking your peg and you're putting it through the front door of a, of a building sure you're damaging things but most people don't do things like that yeah um so it's it's kind of this big misconception that most of these people we're all riding around just trashing the, the world uh in in reality where most of us if you grind metal on metal it's, it's going to do as much damage as your hand running up and down the rail for 10 years mm-hmm. um it's just not a it's not a big deal but people think of it that way and it's also a great way for cops to have something to do that's what they're there for they they need a job they need something to do um that's all government it does government doesn't produce anything government is whatever is out there and they need jobs and so how do they get paid yeah they take the money from someone else you can't get paid any other way yeah and people can only know what they see too Mm -hmm. so like if you've never seen bmx on tv and you just see some kids like grinding a rail downtown and that's what you think it is yeah you think that that's what bmx is but and that's another reason why the whole olympics thing is so important too mm-hmm. it's like if somebody flips on their tv and sees if they get street into it it'll be even better but sees freestyle park riding mm-hmm. that thing oh that was on the olympics we talked about that in the nick bruce one it was like mm-hmm. that's the point of view on it well think about it in the way of what I talked about when I got into riding. Yeah. Um, I had, at this point, I've run um, my show team, which has, is a two-trailer show team, which employs lots of riders. It pays them money. I put on, like, probably about 40 contests over the years. Um, and it's just it's it's just the difference. I, I got into riding because of it, not to mention all the money I paid to skate parks and all the money I've spent on bike parks and whatever yeah. over the years. I mean, that, and that, and that's great. I don't, I don't want anything back for that. I'm just mm. saying you getting somebody into riding for whatever reason, like let's, it's, it's the Olympics. That same person who watched the Olympics and got into riding could end up being a street rider or a flatlander. Or it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. Most people get on their bike and they kind of start to feel things out and they get into one or the other. I mean, how many people went from amazing park riders to amazing street riders all everyone who's a super pro yeah, right now yeah, yeah. and over the age of 21 yeah yeah every single one of yep. them most of them went straight from being awesome at park and they started riding street yep and they and they're killing it you know and, and, it, and it's cool to see but it's just for me it's that's the desi- divisive factor of riding is now you have so many like for instance someone like dane wild um uh you know he was always had his bike set up like a street guy mm-hmm. but at the same time he was doing 540 bar spins on spines you know like a, yeah. a, he so he did he did a bit of everything glenn johnson definitely set up like 1995 dirt circuit <laughs> uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna todd walk all these jumps and like he he is that guy he's an amazing one of the best riders to ever come out of this area absolutely um and one of the coolest dudes but 
Glenn also is like he'd bar Bubica bar to you know ten foot subs and stuff like that. You know, like regular yeah, and opposite he did hurricane a giant yeah, sub. Yeah, I mean he he was an amazing all around rider, and that's and I and I think what we run into now is so many people are afraid of being themselves. Oh, that's like one hundred percent the reason why so many people ride the same, mm-hmm. other than the fact that. You almost have to fit within a mold. Mm-hmm. You either have to be within the mold or be so far out of it and marketable. Yes. Or you're not going to do anything. Yep. And kids are scared to just do whatever they want to do. But it's changing. Yeah. 100% it is changing. Well, it's also the, it's all the, so the same thing. Uh, for instance, look at, look at the medical field. You know, people became very specialized in medicine. They want to do. If you're, for instance, a, a pathologist, will now learn like one thing about one cell, and yeah. that's it. That's their entire career is learning this cell, figuring it out, doing everything that comes with it. But if you look over his over the t- terms of history, the people who've really invented things and pushed society forward are are polymaths. They they know a bit about everything. They're they're very good at many many things, and in their within their field, they're always very well diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay Freireich, um, all these people in, in medicine that that did all types of different things, and then you have in BMX Josh Harrington, you're like God, Jay Miron. Like I just saw somebody mid school mid school posted. A, I mean, I keep bringing up Miron because I'm I'm pretty partial. I love Miron. I think he was one of the greatest riders. Mira. Go to all. Oh the, yeah, Mira. Go to all for the, sure. the, the the Fab Four: Hoffman, Mira, yeah, uh, McCoy, Miron. Uh, all those guys could ride ride everything and do it very well. And I mean, uh, Nyquist came out as a dirt jumper, and then like you know, you you watch him over the years and get to the what was it part? What was that part in End Search? Oh, that is. I just watched that the other day. Yeah. So I mean, it, then you watch then you watch Nyquist go through all these phases. Nyquist is the dirt guy. Nyquist becomes this park guy. He moves to Greenville. He lives with Mira, and then he becomes this unbelievable bike rider like he's doing everything he's double trucking mm-hmm. off of a penske truck you yeah know? like that's a bunny hop double truck off of a penske truck that's in, that's insane he's yep. doing massive kinked handrails he's doing all, all types of things and he just he he found it's more like when you start riding i don't think it's it's a situation where you learn to ride one thing and that's just the way you are i think you find the rider you are when you ride more than one thing Mm-hmm. I think that you start to, because you can like someone like Del Balso is a good good example of this. Del Balso rides everything very very similar, like big, fast, gnarly, mm-hmm. like finding all these crazy lines, like and it's kind of like he he's really really molded into this amazing version of himself over the years, and he just he's just amazing bike rider. Um, so it's like you find yourself as you're riding more and more different things. You're riding street and you love it and it's fun, but at the same time, what if you go to the park? What if it's winter? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Oh, then you ride park and then you start killing it. Uh, Jay, Josh Harrington's the one of the greatest riders of all time. He rode everything, um, sub rails. I mean, that, so it's almost like you watch these people. They're good at rails and then they're good at sub rails, um, and you just go from place to place. And I'm losing my spot again. So, <laughs> well, they say that's what editing's for. They say that it's better to be a master of all trades, or not master of all trades. I, I completely <laughs> ruined that. <laughs> Rewind. Jack. It's better to be a jack of all trades than a master of one, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely true. But 
Well, that's what we are. What's what we do now? We're specialized. We're a specialized society that's happened yeah. since the industrial era. Definitely, you have you have Rockefeller, you have Carnegie, you have the, then they wanted schools to kind of be a situation where these most of the public schools are you're smart enough to push the buttons and dumb enough not to uh, ask too many questions. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's the point of this. So we all became a very specialized society, um, and it's. It's very weird. And so when you look at writing, writing went from this thing that wasn't specialized and everybody did everything. I mean, Hoffman, there's, go, go look up, go Google Matt Hoffman Flatland Contest, you'll find it. You know, Dennis McCoy won Flatland titles. Yeah. Um, Malterno, didn't Malterno race very well for many years? Yeah, I think pretty, I'm pretty sure know. I'm right on that. And not to <laughs> mention, Malterno is, is the, if you watch anything of, of him nowadays, I mean, the guy's been killing it for so long that this is kind of insane to talk about. But in the 80s, he's doing like 10 foot air lookbacks on Burt, you know? <laughs> like, like yeah. not to mention, he's doing 360 lookbacks that look like Mike Aitken in, in the early uh, 90s. So, I mean, most of these guys that are very good riders and very talented. We're very all around. <laughs> we have to be clear, too. It's freestyle, so you can do whatever you want. And if all you want to do is ride a Sabrosa Street Rail in your driveway and do every single rail trick that's ever been done, mm-hmm. that's totally cool. We're just saying, if you want, don't limit pussy. yourself. If you want to be a pussy. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm saying I'm don't limit yourself. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, don't speak for me. It's, no, I'm just kidding. It's Sorry. dumb to limit yourself. When there's so many possibilities and you have no idea what you might enjoy, and that's what I think. It's not that it's not that I think it, it's bad to be specialized on one yeah. thing. It's that why limit yourself? There, why when no you reason. yeah? Why when you there's so much fun stuff to ride? I mean, park park is fun. Like it's and that's what it. it I mean, it mainly is. It's fun yeah. to go fast on your bike. It's fun to ride concrete parks and pump around. It's all street is fun. I mean, all these yeah. things are fun. So. How do you have fun on them? I mean, most people don't like doing, and and that's a very normal thing with humans. Humans do not like doing things that they're not very good at. Yeah. If you're not good at it, you're not going to do it. Right. So why not be pretty well-rounded, able to ride whatever whatever you want to do? Oh, absolutely. I've kind of changed my opinion on it throughout the years, too. I mean, I have a shirt that literally says, like, you're not a street rider, you're not a park rider, you're not a dirt rider, you're a bike rider. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, yes, I do still think that, but at the same time, I know people who are like, I just, I don't like riding trails, and I've seen these people try to ride trails, and they just die, and I'm like, well, I mean, I guess I understand that, now I've gotten to the point where it's like, what I can't stand and what I'm way against is when people are just like, I hate trails, I hate skate parks, or people are like, fuck brakes. Yeah. And they're just like, for absolutely no reason, or people who've never even tried it, just, you're making a blanket judgment, and you're just making this And you've statement. never done it. Yeah, and, or when people who are in positions who are professional riders are saying these things. Mm-hmm. Because one thing that BMX absolutely, as a whole, doesn't super care about is their effect on other people. Because yeah. it's freestyle, you do whatever you want, mm-hmm. I can say whatever I want. And yeah, there's a lot of people who aren't making those blanket statements, mm-hmm. but the people who aren't making those statements are also not speaking out towards freestyle and mm-hmm. doing whatever you want. So all we see or all we pay attention to 
is the guys who are like, fuck this, mm-hmm. hate that. Well, that's and that, I mean, what what goes on in the news? They don't they don't pull people in who are saying how great of a, a world we live in. No, we're God, in, no. we're in reality. Like a Pinker, Stephen Pinker came out with a book called Enlightenment Now, and it talks all about how the world we live in right now is better than it ever has been. Absolutely, uh, and and it's true. But if you look at on TV, you would think we're pretty much going to get nuked tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what's all over the news? What bullshits on the news? Uh, Russia's coming, and Russia's going to nuke us. Uh, whatever, whatever. Like you, if, and if you eat into it, it starts to eat at your brain. And there's truth to all of these things at some point, but at the same time, it's like what you people aren't really learning to dissect through that. Yeah. They're not dissecting through the truth to find it the the truth. Like for instance, when you're talking about somebody's coming into writing. Um, somebody's coming in writing, they see somebody say this, that, and the other thing, and it turns them off to that. Yep. Um, they're not going, I need to look into this more. Maybe yeah. I'll try it for myself and figure it out. Maybe I'll put right. brakes on. Maybe I'll take my brakes off. You know, yep. like, you, nobody nobody looks into that for themselves. And I will tell you, as a person that's ridden brakeless and, and with brakes, it, it, it has great things about both sides of it. Yeah. I would suggest most people start with a brake. Um, it's not. It's it's a good idea, but at the same time, when you're very good at riding, you ride brakeless for a little while. You will learn certain things that you can't learn with a brake because it's a safety net for certain things. Mm-hmm. So it's it's good to be able to um, feel both of those. It's also good yeah. to run opposite pegs and see if you like riding on that side and maybe right. learn how to spin out of it better. You know, some something. So the, when you're limiting yourself and saying I want this one way or the other, you will be the. And granted, you could be very good at one thing. You could be the rider that is very good at going high and smooth and looks good and has a few tricks. And honestly, I really do enjoy watching the riders the most that have a few tricks um, but are very, very good at those few tricks. I I do enjoy that. Then that's my personal preference. That doesn't mean that's everybody's. That's my personal preference. That's what makes it so hard to talk about this stuff because I constantly am I'm thinking about both sides of the coin. And while I'm saying it, I'm trying to... To weigh out both sides and be fair to both because you just that that's how I need to be. I want to. Yeah. I don't ever want to turn someone off by making a judgment and mm-hmm. talking about things because you should try it, mm-hmm. see if you like it. It's so hard to talk about because that's what you have to do if you want to be a responsible person of influence. Not saying that I have any influence whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I might. I might not. But yeah. I feel like. I want to talk carefully in case I do in any certain situation. That's what makes it tough. Well, there is the there is things like riding. Um, I think riding is a very specific thing that there is not much of a right or wrong. There isn't. Um, and riding is very specific to the world like that. There are things that are wrong in the world. There yeah. are natural laws of the world that are wrong. Like you can't, you do not break those. And I'm not talking about what the government says. I'm talking about like s- stealing is bad. Yeah. You know, killing people. You'd, you'd well, murder is bad. The the translation actually, and if if you're yeah, if you're a Bible person, it actually uh, if you read it in Hebrew, the Hebrew translation is murder. So I mean. It's it's all these things are bad, and it all really depends on you. Like I don't think I could kill somebody and be pretty happy about that. Yeah. I, I no matter what the situation. Um. But you know, I I do understand that there's a point where somebody runs in the house and tries to kill me and, and yeah. everybody in the house. Maybe you need to do so. Um. Uh, the point is that riding is is the opposite of all that. 
riding is the place where you are able to be free. You are able mm-hmm. to do whatever you want. You can you can ride. You can try this, that, or the other thing, and figure out what you like. And there's not many things in the world that you can do that with. Absolutely, I think we might have talked about riding a little <laughs> too much at this yeah. point. But as far as like perspectives and uh, well, we can edit that. That's what editing's for. I'm not editing this. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, as Moving away from philosophical things, we can get back into it if it comes up. Mm. Well, let's go back to you and the 2004 video. Which one? The, the one where evolution? you did the three three double whip. Three double yeah, whip video story. Well, let's let's talk about like because I think we. I mean, at this point and where we talked about, you were talking about being able to three whip and mm-hmm. your spleen. Your this is so. Th- this is. Um, so I did the Aspire video part. My Aspire video part is literally all the tricks in that as, as I'm learning. Okay, at the same so what, what's let's so talk evolution. for people who don't know what Aspire is. Okay, too. Aspire is something that I actually aspire to bring back. I would like to to do this again. I thought those were awesome mm-hmm. contests. Mm-hmm. I thought it gave a lot of shine to people who didn't get normal shine. Jason Levy, for those who do not know, Jason Levy. Um, half caps roofs, uh, rides no handed doing a slider and shooting a gun. I no, knew that's you. That's, I knew. Ba- he rides backwards and shoots Did a gun, he, he, and then he goes no handed holding a holding doing no handed forward doing a slider across a basketball court, and he's holding like a caution sign or something. And didn't like he one eighty out of the back of a truck and then shoot the gun? Yes, something yeah, crazy. Like, I haven't it, even it, seen it, the it's video. It's so crazy, like the entire. Bit. But at the same time, like because what he did was different. Because what he did was unique, because the video was good, it gave a lot of shine to a whole different part in BMX, and that was yeah. the videography and the editing. Um, nobody really cared that much about that before that. It seemed yeah. like it started to be – because they I didn't do very well in that contest because I used a one-chip camera. And I, and, I, and I was like, oh, man, you know, like I can't afford this other camera, you know, but at the same time, that that didn't matter. It was It was that – there were people that were more dedicated about filming that spent their life and their time filming and did editing and did a lot better than and me and Jim Gall did, which is funny to think that Jim Gall now is Purple Films guy right. doing Ford commercials all the time. But, right. you know, it, at the time, Jim had a little shitty camera. He was a little kid, and he came up to me, and he was scared, and he said, uh, you want to film this video part? And I said, sure, we'll do it. Yep. And so that's that whole video is me sending... Everything I could I could possibly send to learn whatever, and so it's very sketchy. It's my sketchiest video ever, my worst writing probably ever. I'd say like in a video, like it's mm-hmm. it's just very sketchy. But at the same time, like it's, it has a lot of good memories. Like the you doing curb rails and pajamas when I was like half asleep and <laughs> like just weird weird stuff like that. But it's a it's a cool video part, and also getting to talk to Jim Reinstra. Yeah, you know, like that's who put on the contest. Yeah, he had to put on the contest. Yeah, he he's awesome, dude, and he was you know, and that's another thing too. Speaking about being inspiring, he hit me up and said, "Hey, I'm really sorry. Like, you know, you you didn't do very well in the contest. Um, your video and anything, but your riding was great. Like, you rode really great. It was solid. Like, we were really pumped on it, and that that was motivational. You know, that made me feel good because maybe if they did another one, I'd put it out. I think that was actually the Maybe they did one more. I think they did, and that's it's really funny that you said that because I've talked to Carl because he had yeah. a, he had a, 
what was it? He had like fourth or fifth place or and something like them, that. Yeah. But he said that I'm pretty sure it was Jim talked to him about the same kind of thing. Like yeah. if you would have had less, like just they they. He, Gave him constructive criticism for his video. And, and why the funny. fuck can't other people do that? That's the thing. Like, why can't you know? That's that's the issue with writing right now because we have the. It's funny because all the all the people who are um, these supposed judges for BMX right now, mm-hmm. um, they're all very. Oh, we need to get these congressmen out, and we need to do this, and we need to have limited terms, and, and this and that, and, and they're all like progressive in this sense. Um, and that that's fine to be that way. That's not my point. My point is that how the fuck are they pretty much in monarchy king judge mode for life? You know, and so they're, they're they're king judge mode for life. Nobody else ever gets in yeah. there, and they don't and they don't care if somebody's more qualified or whatever. It's just this person's been doing it for this long, and yeah. we want to keep this person in. And it, mm-hmm. and at the same time, if you deserve if you deserve to be in, and you've done these certain things to to be in, great. You know, and and there's some there's not talking about all the judges. There's some awesome judges that are amazing people. Right. But I'm saying most of these people are just in this thing forever. Yeah. And, and and then you go up there and you say something to one of them. And then instead of them being like like you said, uh, how Jim was to me, Carl. I know he was like that with every Jim. Yeah, I'm sure he, he was a solid Because dude. he yeah. called you and yeah. he talked. I'm assuming I can't 100% remember that it was Jim. Yeah. But I feel like it was because he talked about how he, Carl could have done better. Yeah. And what he could have done to do better. And just the fact that he did that says that he probably called everyone else yeah. and did the exact same and thing. And he was constructive. And I could tell that he actually did feel something yeah. about people not placing. Like I could tell yeah. you, because I'm the same way with my contest. I wish everybody could place. It just right. isn't the way it is. Yeah. And I could tell he actually felt something. you know. And, it, and it's just very interesting that all of these people now like, oh my God, this person asked about his place. I'm not going to you know, even fuck with that guy anymore you know he's an asshole he's cocky he's conceited he's this that yeah. and the other thing making up his, uh, assumptions about somebody without even seeing them I obviously I haven't had any experience talking to contest judges or anything like that but I have heard a lot of people talking mm-hmm. about like judging and people who are judging and just and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I also ne- I've never been in like that that massive of positions or anything to, yeah to really like see all the ins and outs of it but I've been in it enough to definitely run into certain things more than a few times yeah um you know I'm not like someone like Nick Bruce or something who's competing in everything right. around the world day after day but it's so that that was Aspire, and Aspire was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say that again, it was awesome. Yeah. And then it went to going from my War Pig days, where I was like, "Oh, cool, Troy McMurray's the best. I love Troy McMurray, sick." I was riding at Changa Two one day, and all of a sudden, Troy McMurray shows up. By the way, is this background annoying? Bad. It shouldn't matter too much. What is it? Noon on Wednesday? Yes. <laughs> hey. yeah, gotta love Columbus. Yep. Like we have, we make sure this works. I'm like in Cleveland, they don't even give a fuck. Like, <laughs> like, I've never heard. I you, never heard this in my life till I came here. You're on your own. You better yeah. have the radio yeah, on if yeah. something bad happens yeah. or be watching TV. Yeah, they don't they're, ready, they're ready for us all to die. They're just like, yeah, nobody gives a shit. You're in Cleveland. That's Asshole. funny. Move somewhere. It, it should be fine though, so you can okay. keep talking. But um, Troy McMurray. He's at Changa 2. I walk into Changa 2. I just see Troy stumbling around. It's kind of funny. Um, there's some great riders there. God, the names. Adrian Vigil. One of the best. Do you know the name? 
You would re- you'd remember this if you watched any of the old Changa videos. He did an ice pick stall to bar spin to fakie on the Duff's quarter at Changa one. Wow, which quarter? What describe the quarter? This is a six foot quarter pipe, but uh, it's 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 was it, it steeper? Just okay. very very normal, but like I mean, he did this like ice bar to fakie. Ice sick. bar to fakie. Like this is years ago. This yeah. is two thousand three. Um, He's he's also trucking downstairs at this point. He's doing bar to ice down rails, like way before. I mean, he was an amazing, amazing bike rider. Um, and then Bonner was there. Bonner was killing it like always. Every single freaking line in the world, like yeah. it's nothing. Um, at that point, he was more of a trick guy. So actually, he was not as many lines. Tons of tricks though. Um, very very toothpick to bars on the ten foot quarter pipe. That's sick. And the rest, of, the rest of their team was there, um, and all doing all types of stuff. And I was riding, and I like, uh, I don't remember what I even did. I think I did like a seven or something. And then uh, Tony, which was the filmer, and Troy were like, well, "Why don't you come to Changa tomorrow? We're all gonna be there." Um, so we end up going to Changa the, the next day, and Troy says, "I want you to ride for Evolution. Like you're sick." And uh, I'm sure it was something that was kind of partially, if you've met Troy, you know he definitely likes his own riding quite a bit, which deservedly so. He's a, he's a good bike rider. And I was doing three candy bars and three can-cans and stuff, so he was like, oh, that's cool. And I, I did that on purpose because I thought he'd think it was cool. <laughs> I, I, I was really impressed with Troy's riding. Yeah. And so he put me on his team, and he said, we're all working really hard on making this video and blah, blah, blah. You're going to have the last video part and Troy was like and I lived in Cleveland so I thought they were all out there filming a day after day and doing whatever so I'm like oh my god like I'm making a a video for Troy McMurray so the Troy's calling me every other week asking me about the video he's wasted he's calling me drunk one time he's screaming at the top of his lungs I'm the biggest cocaine dealer in Colorado and I'm like (laughs) and and he's saying all this crazy shit and I'm like Troy maybe you shouldn't say that out in public you know like maybe you should chill and and he was like, ah, these motherfuckers, they don't even know me. And they, I mean, he'd call me, he'd literally call me wasted every other night. And I'm like this young kid. I don't know anything about anything. I'm like 18. I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, so that's Troy McMurray. But at the same time, I'm filming every day. I'm, I'm killing myself. Like, I, I was injured, like, through that entire thing. Like, I'm literally killing myself for this video part. He's like, oh, I saw, I sent him some of the clips. And he was like, I saw some of the clips. You're going to have the last video part of the video. You know, he could have been drunk. I don't even know. But anyways, I thought he was being real, and I, I really worked hard for that video part. Um, <laughs> As you can see by the if, video if, part yeah, if you watch, If you watch it, you see that I definitely did my best. Um, oh, I, th- oh, I, I, yeah. I, did, I did my best. I put my best into that video part. Absolutely. And I sent the video in, and <laughs> Tony was like, well, nobody else has finished their parts yet. And I said, oh, okay, you know, like, when's that going to be done? I don't know, pretty soon, you know, all right, cool, you know, never, there was never an evolution video part, Troy McMurray, I I came, uh, he said he'd pay for, reimburse me for my flight, drive me around when I came to do tour that year, all different types of stuff, he kind of disappeared, I don't know exactly, I mean, Troy was going through his own things, and I don't think it was anything personal, Troy was going through his own shit at the time, um, but at the same time, I was a young kid, I just got into, into sponsorship riding, and that was kind of dis disheartening for me mm-hmm. um and so anyways i put everything into that video part um it never came out for years <laughs> that didn't come out, i mean i i put that out and 
God, that had to be like 2010. I think I literally released that in 2010. That's crazy. Yeah, because it, it just didn't come out for for years and years and years, and I was I was pretty bummed, and, and because I thought I thought at the very least they were gonna they said they were gonna put it in the in the pusher video, in in its entirety. It didn't get it, some of the clips got pulled out, and they and and that's the thing. It was the pusher video. They can do whatever the hell they want. The video is still awesome, and I'm ha- I'm I'm honored to have some clips in that. That's amazing. But at the same time, uh, you know, the video was was put into the credits, and and some people saw it, and that's cool. But at the same time, it was still like six years later. Yeah. So I just put it online, you know, in in the video in its entirety, and some people were psyched on it. But at the same time, it was kind of like kind of missed the bus on that one you know like uh yeah i, I didn't I know that story yeah, at all that's yeah. pretty crazy I, I wish i could have put it out years years beforehand when and i and i i would if i would have if i would have known nobody else was doing it i would have just put it out myself right but i i thought this was going to be a video and i just thought they were taking a long time and then also i was i was newer in the industry i thought that was just maybe things take forever i don't know yeah you know? well being someone who makes videos, I know how easy it can be for things to just be forgotten oh, about yeah. for a long time. But this was this was a situation where it was. No. I mean, for you, I yeah. could like yeah. I could see you made that video. You we got made in. the part though. Like we, I didn't send him clips. Like the part was done. You know? I mean, like, just like before you put it out for the world to see. Mm. Like I could see how easy it would be to be done with it, bummed that it wasn't happening, and then forget for six years and then be like, Oh yeah, I did. oh hey, I have this awesome video. Yeah, I did. I had no idea i can't even remember um i think tony ended up tony was awesome uh, so all all things aside tony was the guy who ran the company with troy tony mm-hmm. was awesome still a friend till this day great dude um i think he put it online for me and then i i uploaded it to something and, and then i can't remember how that went but it got posted a couple places it did yeah. whatever it was cool i mean i was glad to that people got to so- see it at some point which is all i really wanted all right it wasn't that i wanted to be famous because of it or anything it was just hey i did this video part i worked hard on it i liked it i hope see people see it and think it's cool and and like some people saw it thought it was cool oh dude I can't imagine like having this person you're I mean you could say idol person mm. you look up to mm. you know, and being like you want to make a video for us mm-hmm. it's going to yeah. be the end heck yeah you're going to put everything oh, yeah. into I, that I mean dude think about think about when you start riding like especially in that era that era is much different than today yeah you make video parts, you put them online. Yeah. That era, you made videos. And to get right. the last part in a video of that size, I was like, especially like with riders like Nick and Adrian, and there was all these, uh, Mike Meister, I think, was even on the team, with all these amazing dudes on the team that were like way better than I, I am. Like I wanted to be at that level. So yeah. I made my riding at that level. Like I did everything I possibly could do yep. to ride uh, to the level that they were, especially if I was going to have the last part, I didn't want to look like an idiot. Right. And so, you know, but it was you all produce. Yeah. But it was all uh, Fugazi, you know? All right. Last thing I want to talk about with that video is that, mm-hmm. uh, I remember seeing in the description that it could have been the first ever three double whip in it. Over oh, it a spine. Sure. Over a spine. Over a spine. Yeah, for sure. It was. And that's in an era where you could claim something like that and mm-hmm. actually have it be somewhat like checkable and mm-hmm. reputable. As far as now goes, though, you can't even say NBD as much anymore mm. unless you are 100% sure. Well, 
I would say, well, the one thing is there's a there was a good website at that time. I don't know if it's still around. Um, I want to say it's called 20-inch BMX. I can't remember. Was it just like a list of it's a tricks? List of, I, it's, it's a still list there. of tricks. It's still there. Yep. My name's on it because I ended up writing him because everybody would have thought um, without ugly that one three double whip at bago was that that was the first one yeah there was one that was in a props video that was but the spine was too small to do that on i was trying to do it i got away with one that was like hideous looking and i was like great i'm done like yeah like this like it was like a four foot spine and i the changa's one was like five and a half and i did it on the changa one uh that was probably a year before that contest okay so the chain that that was definitely the first three double whip on a spine um, for for sure. That's sick. For sure, yeah. That's way sick. Yeah. Was, and it's cool, too, because we started First this. double whip backwards on a box, too. Dang. But yeah. it, that, was, that, was, that was kind of a... That was definitely... Looked like a first double whip on a box. <laughs> <laughs> or backwards. Well, well, the bikes were different. You're coming in hot. But it's, it's we can make up excuses. I'm all right with that. Yeah, yeah. all right. The bikes are different. Way harder. You're going really fast. Nick Bruce does that know. stuff now, and uh, well, you know, it's it's easy because the bikes, you know, yeah, easy now. Back in the day, I was way sicker. Yeah, yeah, definitely the <laughs> sickest. But I think it's cool how we started this talking about how you were looking up to Jay Miron doing three whips on a spine, mm-hmm. and then you ended up, and you were saying. Yeah. That's the sickest thing ever. I want to do that. Yep. And then you ended up being the guy who's done the first three double whip over a spine. That's yeah. that's awesome. I you know it was I think the my favorite part of that was uh two different things. I I did um Daniel Durs came up to me and said that was you know, he knew that I did that first and he was pumped on it, you know. Yeah. Like and then um Mira came up to me and said that. I actually did shows with Mira at one point, um and Burt shows and uh, box jump shows with him and, and Brian Cunningham. Nice. Uh, back in the day, so that was, that was pretty interesting. Uh, Mira was Mira actually was hurt, and he was like uh, just there to sign autographs. And he and he was like, "Oh, that was cool. I remember you did you did that first. And he saw the one I did at Baco. Yeah. And I showed I had a video or something on my computer, and he, and I told him I did it. And he was interested in seeing the other video. And I showed him it. Like he was Mira. The couple times I've I've ran into him, probably about ten times over the years, and he was always the coolest dude. Yeah. Like you know, he, you kind of gotta be it when you're gonna be a superstar like that. Well, he was a cool. He was he was the one of the nicest people I've, I've ever met. On top of like you know, yeah, he was a superstar and stuff, but he never acted like that. Yeah. He never. He was always just a super down to earth good dude, you know. So it was that was that was very uh, big for me to be able to have him him come up and say that. And and Daniel, um, when I came to, <clears throat> and I don't I actually don't know if I this is this is like this is legend. So this is this is kind of like one of those like legend stories that I don't know if it if I actually had anything to do with this. So you know how Daniel invented the nipple twister, those seven, this cork sevens. I didn't, but now well, I do. Back in the day, that was, that was the big thing. <laughs> Daniel invented these cork sevens. So I went to, I I always did them like that. Um, I called them the, the twister. I like I, I don't remember why even like Jim, I think Jim started calling them that. And I went to Woodward and I and Daniel had these like if you watch old videos, I think it's 2005 or something. Daniel does sevens and he's he's super like hump bar humped in yeah. the bars and they're kind of gross. Uh, and then after that, he comes out and does them like perfect. 
and I started doing them dipped, um, and, I, and he asked me, like, oh, I want to do, and Daniel's, like, the coolest, one of the coolest dudes, I have so much respect for Daniel, he was like, I want to seven more like you, and dip more, and, you know, I will do sevens like that, and this was, his, his English was a little bit worse at this point, this, yeah. is long, this is a long time ago, and then he's, so, next time I see him, he's doing these upside-down ones, you know, like, and granted, like, even though I'm saying, like, I called him that, there was Mira did them like that before I even did. Yeah, uh, Mira Mira used to do completely upside down seven. So did Mira on like it was, it was kind of normal. Once you got good at them, you just drop your shoulder. And somehow this has changed it into like a different trick. Like yeah. you know, they start calling it something. To, I don't I don't know exactly when that happened, but mm-hmm. that could be another situation. That's that's <laughs> that's, a, that's a debatable one. Basically, you're saying that you influence dares to do his sevens the way he does. Yes. Boom. Yeah. I think. We talked a lot about earlier how t- being vocal about things and opinions can ruin your your uh, persona. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say persona. Whatever. You get what I mean. Your uh, image. Your image, yes. Mm-hmm. Can ruin your image. I feel like Dares is a person whose like, image – I don't know why, but his image is completely whack mm-hmm. as far as like the general BMX population. Maybe not now. Because yeah. those people maybe have faded a little bit. Yeah. But I've never seen anything weird from him. Or Daniel's like one of the coolest dudes I, I've, I've ever met over the years. He's always been super nice. He's always been an amazing rider. He's, I think people have this weird... It's, it's for instance, when people see a... Let's say you're looking at... You're you're in the early 1900s. You're looking mm-hmm. at early late 1800s. You're looking at J.D. Rockefeller and, yeah. and Carnegie, and these dudes are working like day and night to do this, make these companies do this thing, working everybody under them to death, and just you know like doing all this stuff. And so you you start to get angry about these people, like these these people are putting in so much time and effort and 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 interest into one thing constantly. So you just and most people just can't grasp that. So they just don't grasp why anybody would want to live like that, and then they think it's because of money and they're greedy. And most people who are like that, who are like very driven, it's almost like it, it's very similar to addiction. Mm-hmm. You you love this one thing so much, and that's true. Like even with even with drugs, you love that one thing so much that you will do anything and you make it happen. And I think Daniel just has that work ethic of like somebody who's yeah. like a billionaire or something. Like he just okay. has that work ethic, and people can't grasp it. Like he get he he kills it every day. He's dedicated. I mean, th- yeah. the dude still does stuff that every I watch. Oh. I watch his I watch his videos till this day, and it's like the dude still does stuff that's unbelievable. He's taking and it's perfect. Everything he does is dialed. Anyone who's like around his age or has been around as long as he has mm-hmm. has basically taken their style that they used to win contests or road and contests mm-hmm. those type of people and they've just gotten smoother mm-hmm. and still do the same tricks but mm-hmm. do them better and then learn more at mm-hmm. the same time but as far as all of that goes i think people just need someone to hate oh yeah they, well, you they always need someone or something to hate and bmx is guilty of that probably more than anything else oh yeah i mean that's that's well that's that's the world that's yeah. the world i mean uh uh, what was it? Von Clausewitz. That's funny. I'm using Von Clausewitz in a in a BMX thing. Uh, yeah. He was he was a guy who said um, war is economics by other means, and he talked mm-hmm. a lot about that was his famous quote. But he talked a lot about all of the like an enemy image. Uh, 
Carl Schmidt, he talked about you need needing an enemy image to go after something. Think about things like the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. You have uh, we ended up finding out that. Uh, what was it? It was either Reagan or Bush. Yeah, it was Reagan. Reagan ended up having someone like say they bought crack outside of the White House, and you turn this into this big war on drugs and, oh. and all this stuff. And so, and then we found out that that was actually not even real years later, but we didn't know it at the time. Same with like you, you have a nine eleven terrorism war on terror. Like you just this enemy image is constantly beating in your head. Yeah. Good example of that is in that nineteen eighty four the book. Um, you know that they're they're always in the book. They're always playing on TV the enemy image. You know they look at this guy and like I think look at Mira Mira back in the day was Daniel. Everybody hated hated him. You know I remember like there was a video. It was a, it was a Gravity Games one of the first ones, and uh, Mira was like this was when Jamie started coming up. Beswick, mm-hmm. Beswick at the times getting to Mira's level. And I remember Mira had some video where he like went and like helped this kid who had some is- issue. I can't remember what it was. He gave him a bike. He rode with him, and like people are making fun of him at the at the same time as they're watching this video. They're like, "Oh, I bet you wish that kid was oh, here now to hold you after God. Jamie kicks your ass," you know. And then as years go on, now people are like, "Well, I'm tired of sitting watching Jamie win everything," you know, like yeah. And the issue it it doesn't like as long as Jamie like the the problem is is that. People have two different biases in writing. They either want the same person, same thing all the time, or they can't respect that someone like Jamie is still the best. Like, he's, he's still the best. I mean, who, who really holds a candle to him, who's really that dedicated, who's, who's, who's his age and holding on to that. Who even well. tries to ride Vert anymore? <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, like, three people. Uh-huh. I mean, there, and there's some, like, Zach Newman, for instance. Yep. He's a hell of a Vert rider. Alex Landeros. Yeah, those two yeah. are the only two people that I know of that even try. Um, There's some more people getting getting into it on and off, which is good. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 wild, and you you have Bestwick just still up there killing it. So and but people dislike him now. Bestwick was the oddball. You have to think, well, and you probably don't know this, and the audience probably doesn't know this. Bestwick wasn't anybody. Bestwick was a, was a was a writer and he was always good, but he I think he had I know he had a full time job mm-hmm. of some sort. I'm pretty sure he was he was paid well. I'm I'm pretty sure this is another person I I, I will always wished to have an interview with um, because I don't think anybody's ever focused on that part because I've I've only read certain things in that one Albion interview, but and talked to him a little bit. But um, Bestwick always had um, oh he always had a job. He was always doing something, and he never really dedicated his time to riding. And right before those X Games and Tour that year, I think the year was 1999, Bestwick was already my age. He was already 32, I think. Mm-hmm. He's at least 30. And he flew out here, and he wanted to pursue riding. And he did. And, and now he's, what, 40-something? And, and he's been on top of it. Not that he was nothing. Like, Bestwick was always a good rider, and yeah. he actually rode in, in, in big contests before this, but he was never completely dedicated. He never was full-on. And then it seemed like he came out here. And I could be getting some of this wrong, but I, I don't think I am. But uh, he came out here, and in, in 1999, he won X Games in Dutra that day and that year, and that was when... Um, that we had the craziest vert contest ever for years because you got to think that was Miron, mm-hmm. Beswick, uh, Mira, uh, Hoffman was in and out a little bit here and there. That's, um, you know, just the, those four is enough to make it crazy. Yeah, on its it, own. it was insane. I mean, Miron's doing like twelve foot five forties to ten foot double whip airs. 
Um, then hucking whatever five whips. Oh my god, his five whips are insane. He's trying yeah. five double whips back then. You know that's so long ago. He's trying five forty double whips. That's the other thing. I hate to take away from what we're talking about, but that's the other thing that has to do with NBDs and all of this thing is that mm-hmm. people don't have any idea of what's how crazy the things that happened in the past actually were yeah. and how much actually happened. Well, also the thing is what these what the, what some of those writers gave. Um, for instance, it's the reason why it's hard to ever say anything, for me especially, about someone like Matt Hoffman. These people, like when I started writing, there was no foam pits. There was none of that. And yeah. then those guys, their entire career was like that. <laughs> like their entire All the tricks they've learned, Besides, like, later on, all right on the ramp, they gave their brain to BMX. They gave their their body. I've always heard the legendary story of Miron and the reason why once you get knocked out at a contest, you're not allowed to, uh, or I think it's if you get KO'd twice in practice or even once, you're supposed to not be allowed to ride anymore Uh, because Miron (laughs) rode, like, uh, is that one of the Woodward CFBs? And he got knocked out in practice, and he's airing the vert ramp, big 10-foot airs, and all of a sudden he just passes out cold. Whoa. But his body was so limp that he literally fell down the ramp and just he, he avoided injury, kind of similar yeah. to how like, sometimes drunk drivers run into a pole at 90 miles an hour and they're okay. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very similar to that. So, yeah, I mean, these guys really, really, really – I mean, Miron did the first double backflip like years right. and years oh, ago. Oh yeah, this was ninety four, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Hoffman doing doing nines in eighty nine. Mira doing double backflips in contest, and that was that was two thousand or two thousand one. Backflip drop ins. Backflip drop-ins. ten years yeah. before anyone else started doing them a lot. Completely different too. They're straight, they're straight back. They're real backflip drop. Yep. They're almost power wheelies. Like he yeah. literally takes just like power out wheelie. wheelie. Yeah. <laughs> he literally loops out wheelies and does them off ten foot walls. You know, like yep. they, they're all that stuff happened many years ago. So it was very interesting to watch because some of those guys would go in and out a little bit, and then they'd show back up to the scene and just murder it. And yeah. it was like they. I think a lot of people don't realize like what the difference was. Like those guys were so dedicated and so talented. Yeah, that they just had it. Like. Mira, I mean, he rode all the time. That's not. I'm not taking anything away from that. Like these guys didn't ride. No, they rode all the time and they always killed it. But they had something a little bit more than everybody else. Um, kind of similar to how when like Garrett Reynolds started really coming into into his own. Yeah, you could tell that he just wanted it a little bit more than everybody mm-hmm. else. Uh, now you look at uh, Anderson, very similar. Like he just he rides so well every everything. Rides very well. I would compare. Let's see. Uh, say Jamie can be like that there. I think when yeah. he goes to a contest, mm-hmm. you can tell. I mean, Jamie's. Uh, but at the same time, Jamie is one of the. He's an all-around solid dude. Yeah. You know, like so. It's it's very interesting. Uh, like what I what I actually been thinking about more and more is how do you teach kids to be human. You know, like in, in this day and age, uh, for instance, if we're if we're if you have a job, kid, most kids now like you hit me up today and said, "Hey, I'm running a little late." Most people don't do that anymore. 
you know. Like, oh yeah. People don't say I'm I'm running a little <laughs> late. They'll just show up two hours late. Human decency isn't something that's taught anymore. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that's the end of it. I mean, and it's not the kid's fault. It's that it's just really not taught. It's not cared about. It's not. There's no. There's no. Um, the way I think about those things, if no one, if your parents and no one else ever, like, if they never tell you that mm-hmm. or they never teach you that. Where are you going to learn it? Like you mm. can't expect some kid to just randomly Pick have manners and and be decent about things like that if yeah. no one ever tells them to. And not many people do, you know. And that and it and it's scary. So you run into the situation now where you have all these people kind of running around where they're not really um, they're they're missing a piece of themselves. You mm-hmm. know, like they their their human decency is kind of I've missed and it's not that they're bad people. They're just never taught it. Yeah. And someone like like Jamie for instance, he's a, he's an all-around dude. Yeah. Like he's he's a good person when he first started doing shows with me, I wanted to kill him. I wanted to, <laughs> I, I wanted to literally um the phone's ringing. You're talking about how you wanted to kill Jamie. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like Jamie the first time we ever went and did shows he like did just a bunch of kids shit you know like he turned the um the faucet or the shower head outward and got all over my oh, bag and all okay. my stuff when i when i went to the into the hotel to take a shower and like he just kept doing like literally left his phone somewhere just little kid stuff constantly you know like yeah and like i will say though like and at the same time you got jamie was a kid at this point like and i and jamie i've only ever had to tell him once certain things um, you know, there's there was the one time there was actually the the really funny situation where he actually almost got us all into a lot of trouble, but I can't really get in into that <laughs> though. But I'm saying that the point of that is he I've said it to him once, he never did anything like that again. You yeah. know, and I and I think that what what also lacks for kids now is that instead of saying, Hey, hey kid, you know, hey buddy, you did this wrong and this is how we fix it, kids and that's the other part of, of the example of when we're talking about these people from higher up talking to kids. Um, kids, a lot of the times, get very defensive about anything. So it's oh, also, yeah. so that also, on their side, makes it hard for them to have these conversations. Yep. So now when I try to say, hey, because honestly, if, if I don't care, I'm just not going to talk to you. Right. That's how, that's how I show if I don't care. That's how most people show. If I'm telling you something, it's because I would like to help you. In some form of way, yep. but most kids just get very defensive and fuck you, and then they like run away, and, that, and that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's uh, it, I, I really wonder how to how to fix that in society anymore. But um, at the at the very least, I can't can't fix society. But at the very least, the people around me, I would like to figure out how we have this conversation, how we open right. up that that block. Because <clears throat> Jamie now, it's a, like Jamie's great. Jamie's like yeah. one of the. I have more respect for Jamie than uh, than I do for most people in the entire world. I think he's one of the most <coughs> solid people. I'm surprised he's not sponsored more. I'm surprised more people aren't putting him on his team because of not only the fact that he's a good rider. That's cool. He's a good rider, but he will sell the parts. Yeah, he will. He's very professional. He shakes hands. He's a, I mean, he's he's just the all around solid person. Yeah. And also, he'll, he'll he would do just about anything necessary. Like yep. so, he's he's an all around solid dude. And you don't really see that very much anymore in the world. So, absolutely. So, let's get back to you. Okay. I think we kind of hit up until the the main things. Um, 
Let's talk about some more recent stuff. Okay. And what you've got going on now. Because we didn't really talk about Thriller specifically. Mm-hmm. But before we talk about Thriller, I want to talk about your TED Talk. Oh, God. You did do a TED Talk. Yes. Just just maybe talk about the experience of what it's like to do a TED Talk. Because that's not something that a lot of people can say that they've done. Well, most of the time in my life, I get into situations. Um, I'm, I, I, I feel like I can do anything. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, I try to try to do things that I might be be good at. You know, like I I, I like I wanted to do a TED talk. I I, spe- I spoke at a lot of um, narcotics type events, um, different anonymous events, different things like that to um, help other addicts. I sponsored a lot of kids at one point uh, to try to help them get off drugs and different things. So I was very interested in doing something like that. More, I saw that they were looking for people. Um, and they had like a, and they had like 700 people applied. They picked 50 to come in and interview, and they picked 10 after that. Somehow I got picked. I have, yeah. I still till this day will never <laughs> have any idea because everybody else who was there usually knew somebody, mm-hmm. and I didn't know anybody. And, and I definitely I didn't uh, have much to do with CSU. Uh, I so I have no idea how exactly that happened, but it did. Yay! Great. Um. So, what people see and don't see, what people see is this event that goes well, and they're like, oh, cool, this is this, is this and they have the slides, and, you know, that blah, blah, blah. What people don't see is that there's months and months of preparation. Yeah. You're constantly in there every single week rehearsing. Um, you're constantly changing, though, that there's, the your, your talk evolves. And when I got there, the first person I ever saw talk was, like, this amazing speaker named Chris Webb and I was so intimidated I was so intimidated and I had this terrible speech written up and I, I tried to give it and I, the criticism I got was horrible because it, it, it was and I knew it was bad and I couldn't find the right words and I, I just kept and I, I almost wanted to just be like I'm done like I can't do this like I, I'm just not good enough I don't deserve to be here and then uh, I started really concentrating on it and I realized okay I had a, uh, a, a cool talk I worked on it really hard, and then, like, giving the talk, like, the day before, I, I did a perf- perfect rehearsal of it, because we did a dress rehearsal, mm-hmm. perfect rehearsal of it, giving the talk, all the people in the crowd, everybody's crying, my grandma's in the front row, she's crying, like, everybody's, every, and then all, I got so much, I felt so much emotion, and then at the same time, I was like, I'm literally on a stage telling the entire world how I was a heroin addict and in jail, in prison, like, and then I, I, I like lost my voice and I, I started I got really upset and I couldn't talk for like uh, like a ten second it felt like an eternity yeah. it, was, oh, yeah, it wasn't imagine. it wasn't that long but it felt like an eternity but um, you know I somebody was in the audience I I will never understand who this was but he was like tell your story and somehow I zipped my brain mm-hmm. zipped right back to where I was. So I didn't miss anything somehow. Yeah. Somehow I got right back to where I was, and the rest of the talk went very, very well. Um, I, I'm very happy I did it today. Yeah, um, it was very, it was very hard. That was I've given a lot of, I've spoken a lot of events. That was very hard to tell, try to articulate to people who are not addicts what addiction is. Yeah. Um, it is very hard. It's the same as why people go around today and say, well, they should all just die. And, mm-hmm. Or the other the other end of it, well, we're giving them free Narcan to save their... That's not, I've never woken up from, in the back of a hospital, just, just so everybody knows. I've never woken up or known anybody woken up in a hospital without a bill. 
I've never seen that happen, so I don't know where this free stuff comes from, but maybe maybe some other country. It, it definitely isn't here. Um, but telling the entire world that was so hard, you know, like because I mean, most most of my childhood I was very depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to kill myself most of my childhood. I never really understood why. Um, it could be something to do with just being adopted. Some kids have issues with that. Um, and then I then I found drugs, and I felt like I found the love of my life. You know, I found heroin. It was great. Oh my god, I'm, I was I was happy all the time. And and, and like for a person to go from um, upset all the time to happy all the time, I wanted to feel that all the time. I was like, oh my god, my life's perfect. I'm great. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> nothing's wrong now. You know, like this is all. All I need is this thing, and I'm doing great. And so you, see, I mean, and, and there's also the opposite. Like nobody starts from scratch and gets right into heroin people start out uh, I, I mean i didn't even drink till i was 21 yeah i took painkillers I, I had a bone infection my foot was the real the end of it um and I, when i had my bone infection i had a pick line to my arm and i could give myself my own ivs and so i was on painkillers that entire time um that was that was about four months um four months of painkillers i told my doctor i was having some problem and he was, I was like, I don't feel right. Something's wrong. And I was addicted. I just didn't understand anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was an addict. Um, but at the same time, I thought, you know, like most people, oh, she's just weak. You know, like I'm stronger than that. So that'll never happen to me. Yeah. Um, and it just did, you know. And, that, and that's, and uh, so, so this day, it's funny when you hear other addicts talk till this day. Other addicts say, oh, I was just so much stronger than all these other people who are still stuck in it. Like, no, that is not the case. I'm not stronger than any of those people. I'm very fortunate. I am very very lucky that I got out of it and I'm sober and alive today. The rest of my friends are dead. Like they're all dead. It didn't didn't go that well. They 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 were unlucky. They didn't get out of it. I somehow had the right events happen in yeah. the right timeline and somehow ended up sober. And so the only thing I would change about the TED Talk was I really didn't want to say anything about thriller in the TED Talk. I yeah. really didn't want to. Um, the school was kind of like, oh, yeah, you should put it in there because it brings the story together. And I really, I still to this day don't think it is. I've actually never watched it. I've never, I've actually never seen it. So I don't, I don't know. I've had a lot of, I, but I'm very happy with what, um, what came out of it. It's the same with writing videos. If I put them out, I don't watch them. Nothing yeah. like that I watch. Um, <clears throat> it's, I'm happy with what I got out of it because so many kids have messaged me like hey you know you helped me with this mm-hmm. hey like you know this I gave this to my little brother my little brother wants to talk to you so it's it's opened the doors for some people to maybe get help realize they had a problem I don't know something yeah. so I'm, I'm happy with how it came out well because you haven't watched it hopefully you can still tell other people how to find it maybe oh yeah <laughs> how would you yeah. find that uh, I mean if you google Jason Purr's TED talk that's easy. It's on there. That easy? Okay, yeah. cool. Jason first TED Talk. Yeah, it's on there. But, I mean, it, it's not that I didn't, don't watch it because I, I, I dislike it. I just don't. I usually Oh, don't I watch completely things. understand. I usually when don't I, watch things I put out. When I make a writing video, it's way different than that. But mm-hmm. after I finish the video, I don't watch it again That's the same for, thing. for a long I will watch, time. I will watch the clip. If I film a clip, I want to know it looks good. Yeah. And if it, if it looks good, that's it. I'm not going to watch the, the video itself. Maybe the this uh, like I've watched the Aspire video nostalgically, mm-hmm. you know, like going back and going exactly oh, this is pretty cool. 
yep. but that's it. It's more about the experience of doing it mm-hmm. and everything that comes with that than going back and rewatching it. Yeah. Until it's memorable. Yes. <laughs> so, so where does Thriller come into everything? So I ran many show teams for people that kind of sucked. Well, I guess. I ran one show team for people that kind of sucked, and I rode for a lot of show teams where people sucked. Uh-huh. Um, not saying that they were bad people. I just thought I could do it differently. Did I know what I was really getting into? No. Uh, that's the real question. So any, any business, I think, I mean, you have to be a, a nut job to start a business in general because <laughs> you're not going to make money in your first five years, most likely, if you get into anything that's worth doing. Um, you are like people always think like business people are like so much money. What really happens is when something when the truck explodes, I don't look at my riders and go, "Well, you're not getting paid this month." Right. I pay for that. You know, like yeah. I, I, that's what I took on. I decided to do that. That is that is my fault. So I f- have to handle all those things. So I, I had no. I mean, I I thought you know like ten thousand dollars, I could start a show team. Nope. Uh, definitely that was a joke and then I thought if I had one show a month I'd be alright that's a joke too so people don't understand like when there's no shows I'm still paying for the truck you know all all these things that you're still got to pay for while there's nothing the maintenance is consistent the ramp fixing is consistent you need to buy a welder you need it goes on and on and on and that's with any business so I started with very very ignorant to business I mean I was I was pretty ignorant to most things I wasn't really um into self-educating right when I started. And then I started getting really into education after I started my business, which really helped. I would suggest if anybody ever is looking to start a business, I don't think MBA schools are really helping when they're teaching you about fucking Blockbuster or whatever shit they teach anymore. They teach pretty terrible things that whenever I go in there, I kind of laugh. And most people get out of there and they end up being CEOs of McDonald's or something. Um, But if you want to start your own business, I'd say reading things about people who start businesses how business works um, mm-hmm. economics to know what, what industry are you getting into is it going to be profitable are there even people looking for this and honestly that in and it sucks because everybody wants to say well if you love something you just do it it's not it's not true because you have to fund the things you love so I wanted to start a show team that was going to be based on um, doing shows for rehab centers and, and different things and but it's just something I can't pay my riders on, on hopes and, and dreams. So I, I have people to pay. I have a company to keep running. So I had to kind of shift gears. But at the same time, now I feel even more fulfilled because now we're doing stuff in the school industry. And with the school shows, you kind of dice up the, the money you know, in a way by doing a few in a day that the schools can find it affordable. And this way you're inspiring kids to, I mean, some of them some of them are inspired to ride, of course, which is awesome, but some of them are just inspired to live differently. Mm-hmm. Maybe try something. Maybe not be so scared tomorrow. You know, like, you got to think in this day and age, kids are afraid of football. What do you think they the parents say when they're like, you're going to ride BMX bikes, you're going to watch BMX kids. Like, yeah. they think it's insane. So kids might, are just a little less scared, a little happier, you know, it's, it, it changes things. So... I would I would suggest you know just being flexible and knowing where your your markets are, how to 
make it work, what keeps your people employed the most too? So we do a lot of school shows because it's not even the the school shows don't don't make much, but they keep everybody employed. All my riders uh, get to get to work a lot, mm-hmm. and that and that's important. So they need to make money. They need to live. So you got to you always think of your people before anything. People first, and then leadership last. Which is sadly, if you have your business, it's just going to be you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you are the people you, and the leader. You you are yeah. You are you are the leader. You are the one. But things are going well now. Obviously, yeah. We we do a lot of events. Um, we have traveled all over doing this. I think it was most important to me to be able to organize a, a team that that functions well. And I have like Gerber's running things, and he's he Zach and I are very similar people. Whereas we run a tight ship, we just want the job to go well. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like we we want the job to go well, and as and our our main goal for Thriller is like no matter what happens, let's say the the ramp blows to a million pieces, um, Zach gets shot. You know, like what, whatever happens, like as long as the show goes well, we're happy. You know, like yeah. we're we're all very dedicated to the show always going well, mm-hmm. like always putting on a good show, no matter what the situation. I mean, we've had situations where where the ramps are literally lumped on top of each other, so we could somehow do a show um, yeah. and always put on a good show. So we always make sure the shows go well, and it's it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it's cool because you get to see. Doing something like that, especially me doing shows, I've been I did shows my whole life. Doing those um, over the years, you could see, oh, I saw you ride and blah blah blah, and that was yep. super cool. And I started riding because of this. I think it was um, somebody hit me up who's who's a really actually I shouldn't say his name just in case he'd be embarrassed by it, but somebody <laughs> somebody hit me up who said he saw me at the Kennywood Amusement Park and he started riding and like that kid's in X Games now, so it's it's pretty cool. It's That's pretty crazy. Cool to see that. Yeah. That's way crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. So, where are you, what are you doing? Obviously, you're not running a show right this second, but what's your day to day now? What are you currently up to? Day to day, I do a lot um, with economics, finance. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm not doing shows, I really, I really enjoy economics. I really enjoy philosophy. Um, so I'm I'm very involved in, in most of those fields, doing a lot of different things, doing a lot of research, a lot of reading, which is boring. But I also get to do a lot of debates, which are fun, and I get to put on a lot of events. Uh, we did a event called I did an event called Startup Bikes recently, where it gives um, new businesses ten grand to start, and so they pitch their ideas towards us. We give them a certain amount of money. They go out and try to start these businesses. It's 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 cool and very rewarding process. Hmm. That is awesome. That's really awesome. Have you been riding? Obviously, you said you rode with Paul the other day. Uh, here and there. I haven't been riding as much as, as I've been wanting to. I've been pretty stuck in other things at the moment. Yeah. But um, I not stuck exactly, but I just haven't been as interested, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I... Kind of, I think over the years, um, I was I, I loved riding so much, and it was what I lived for. And then uh, as time has gone on, I found other interests that I find very fun, and then I enjoy it just as much. And yeah. I don't think I would have ever thought that at twenty. You know, I yeah. would have never. I, I I thought if I was hurt to the point where I couldn't ride, I'd off myself. Honestly. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I think it's probably a really good thing that you—it sounds like you haven't noticed a ton, like mm-hmm. the change, mm-hmm. as far as like riding into moving into the other things you like that's probably a really good thing that there's 
other things that you can find that you like as mm-hmm. much as riding to where you don't even really think about a lack of it. Yeah. And it's it's that I, I, I love it. I'll always be involved, and I, I love that the show team is always going to be important, and I'll always ride. Yeah. Um, but it's just I, I have no no need to really take it too seriously and compete or anything. Yeah. You know, like I... I, I feel like my and also what was also always in the back of my head is that I the last time I got knocked out I was really out of it mm-hmm. um, and I'm I don't want to feel like that I mean I was I was out of it for months I was I wasn't myself for months and months and months and it, it's just it's not that it's the one knockout was really bad it's the consistent I yeah. had one and then another and I don't, I don't even know I can't even count as many as I've had I I can I can guess from filming and if people say right. like i've had like 20 probably just on film i don't know how many i've had besides that that's crazy so <laughs> so my my brain after that one was so fucked up that i really um i i still ride and i still will do things but at the same time i never want to be like yeah i got hurt because i was getting ready for this contest and i can't you know think anymore like I, yeah I, I, i'm happy riding and if something happened and i was just riding and having fun whatever but yeah, i really it's don't different. I, it, it's different and i enjoy my brain now i, I really enjoy uh um, business i enjoy economics I, I enjoy these things to the same point it's time might sound this probably will sound so weird to people who if anybody watches this it just will sound so weird that you know somebody could say that who rode bikes but mm-hmm. it's really the same it get the same exact feeling looking into these subjects doing the same things attempting to find positions and markets and different things like that i, yeah. I enjoy it figuring out why something's going to crash and fail figuring out why things move a certain way figuring out what's What's corrupt? What's not? What's fraudulent? What it? it mm-hmm. I, I find the same interest in it, so it's it probably sounds weird. I can't really. No, I mean it might to other people, but <laughs> yeah. I get it because yeah. I try and think about how riding relates to other things, mm. and when you really boil it down, riding relates to everything. Yeah, and you it's. Can, We'll look at Jim Gall. Jim Gall's all, he's a, it's funny because every single time you talk to him about anything, he, everything turns into writing. Yeah. He talks to Jim, uh, George works for him now. He talks to George about, uh, well, yeah, with business, you got to do this. And, and then George is always like, well, you're just literally describing writing. Yeah. And, and Jim says everything really boils down to writing. And it's true. It's the same grit you need to start a business that you can use that same grit that you've fallen on the ground 50 times and gotten mm-hmm. up because that's the thing if, you, if you're going to get into a business or anything you want to do anything you want to do in the entire world you're going to fall over and over again you're going to fail it's yep. not going to feel very good it's yep. going to be hard it's going to bother you but if you can always get back up you're okay yep BMX teaches you how to be successful in things that's for sure as long as you're dedicated to it if you just go out and you don't care at all obviously that's yeah. way different than being into it well here's an interesting thing i found out about it that is relevant to bmx is that when you um apply for a school like yale or harvard most of the other schools they look through your through your thing and they try to look at yeah. grades and look at your team sports and this yale yeah. or harvard looks at individual sports a lot or hobbies yeah, that because makes sense. Say that's where the most truth comes from from people. So if you're in this individual sport or you're in, in going into this hobby um, and you're into, um, what is it called, uh, horseback riding. That was one, one thing they talked about. And they said, you know, a horse can just decide it doesn't like you and go sit in the middle of the street and yeah. wait until you get ran over by a car. 
And, you know, it's the same thing with writing. Like, you have to have this, you have to have self-motivation, which is very mm-hmm. important. People don't understand, like, if you are waiting for someone to watch you do something good, you're never going to be very good at it. You're <laughs> yeah. going to sit You're going to sit around because nobody wants to watch every step of you learning something. Yep. It's like a bad musician. Nobody, when I started playing drums, nobody wanted to sit there with me, well, oh, you, you, you're hitting the snare, that sounds great. You know, yeah. like, yeah, nobody's going to, nobody's going to do that for you. Yep. Um, and then let's keep where where would we go from that? And then if you get back into writing, nobody's gonna sit there while you learn how to do a ninety. Nobody's gonna yeah. sit there while you learn to do a one eighty. Nobody's gonna sit there. So you you get to learn that these people actually um, went through something. They tried really really hard. Uh-huh. They prevailed. They got to this point, and that's how they got good at horseback riding, BMX bikes. It's not like a team sport where you're there and everybody is there with you through the entire thing. You are running with a line of people. You are working out with other people. You are playing football on a team, and when you win, the team wins. And you know that this is the individual grit is much different. I'm not saying that that you can get that from team sports. Like there's some people who are football players that fall on their head a thousand times Mm -hmm. um, and and get back up, and there's people that are soccer players who've broken their ankle a million times. Like there's the same. You can get that same grit from that, but if you really persevere through an individual sport like riding you don't have a choice <laughs> right. you don't have a choice because you will get hurt you yeah. there there is no I, and that's the thing I, you sign up for riding and when i ruptured my spleen i was like oh yeah that happens you know like i, I signed up for this yep. i never <laughs> thought of anything different i was just like oh i signed up for this i'm definitely going to get hurt riding my bike mm-hmm. so yeah yeah absolutely just uh bmx boils down to everything else or everything else boils down to the same things that we learned from bmx it, it is very odd how that how that happens but it, it is the grit part of it you know i mean it's the same with addiction like i wouldn't i wouldn't have i don't know if i could have um gotten gotten better without riding um yeah. you know it was something where i've fall i've already fallen so many times and learned how to get back up maybe mm-hmm. that was one of the situations oh, where yeah. that went into and it got lucky because i did i did get to fall and get back up yep absolutely that did, doesn't happen to, to everybody yep you gotta you gotta fall to learn what was it the quote was always growing up was if you're not falling you're not trying hard enough that's right yeah. if you're not falling you're not learning yeah so with it's just very interesting because you get into the real world and you see that the differences now is that everybody, you, you're, all these kids are coddled. They're very yeah. coddled. They don't want their, you're looking, you're going to the skate parks, you're going, where are the kids at? You know, mm-hmm. like, um, I go to Cleveland Park. Why is it empty? Yep. Like, it's in Cleveland. Like, there's got to be a million kids who ride, um, and there's just not. The parents are coddling the hell out of them. They're not allowed yeah. to do anything. And the, it's. It, I get it. Like, I don't want to see kids hit their head. Like, I don't want to see kids get... With whatever the new concussion disease is called, mm-hmm. um, I, CTE. CTE. Yeah, I don't want to see kids get that. I don't want any of these things to happen. But what I will say is that when they suffer, they learn how to survive, and they learn why you want to survive. You don't like it, you know. Nietzsche always said uh, he had a good quote: "Was he who has a why to live for can deal with any how." Meaning, you ride bikes. You love it. You will fight for it. You you will die for it. Yep. But that so that's your that's your why. And then things will come up in your way. You will get hurt. You will. Uh, you're. I mean, hell. I I know parents who've taken bikes and thrown them in the garbage. You know, like because they mm-hmm. just don't want their kid riding or something. Um, but 
that's the house you have to deal with and then but your why will help you deal with that your why is i love riding yep yeah so absolutely and if you don't have anything else you want to talk about i feel like that's a perfect place to i'm good end it yeah all right well that's it sounds good thank you thank you enjoy it um thriller bmx plug your stuff (laughs) real quick since Uh, it's here yeah, thrillerbmx.com. You can find everything on there. Um, yeah, at thrillerbmx on everything else. There we go. Mm-hmm. Check it out.